welcome back to another episode of the Rumcast. He is Will Hookinga and I am John Gullah and together we are your co-hosts for this rum podcast journey where we look at all things rum and talk with the people who love and shape it. So lots of good stuff on the program today but before we get to that Will what is going on in your neck of the woods? I'm good over here. I like that you said on the program today, because program, I feel like it's like a a television program. You know, it's very, I don't want to say dated. It It feels at least like stately or something, I should say. But anyway, official, (laughs) official. Yeah. (laughs) So normally before we record these intros, I get a little nervous. You know, I want to make sure that I'm keeping things entertaining for the people that I'm not blathering on too much yeah, about. We things, have this but... burden, Will. I know. I feel <laughs> exactly. it too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We, we, you know, we, we just feel a responsibility and, and we, we don't want to bore people to death. But today I'm feeling pretty confident and good for two reasons. Number one, I replaced a deadbolt in my house today, which nice. is a nice confident boost, confidence boost. Yeah. And the funny thing is, it's not even a complicated home repair at all. It's extremely basic, but right. that but tells you a little bit about where I am in my journey <laughs> as a homeowner. But right. I replaced the deadbolt, so I'm feeling good. I feel like I can take on the world. I feel like I can do anything. The second thing is, so we discussed on the last episode, the... Hampton Great House Envy that I had mm-hmm. with you. You getting your hands on that latest release from Hampton. We had just talked all about it with Christelle Harris, our previous guest on that episode from Hampton. Well, as you, you know, this it. rum was not available to me in my market right. here in Tennessee. I have seen nary a Hampton product, nary a product from Velier, which distributes those Hampton rums. Yeah. But out of the blue yesterday, I get a text from my guy, Alex, who runs the Friends of Rum Tennessee Rum Society, which I've mentioned on the podcast before. Yeah, you guys are and doing big things. Yeah. <laughs> it is a photo of a lineup of three Hampton rums and a couple of Clarins on a shelf in Nashville. And yes, Great House was one of those rums, the latest oh, Great House yes. release. And so literally the first thing I texted was how many of those great houses are left <laughs> because the way the photo was angled I couldn't see like behind the first yeah. box so it kind of made it seem like there's only one left as soon as I got the confirmation that there were still great house bottles available there I went right to the store I got it I got home last night I dove right into it I've yes. got a glass of it right here in front of me I know you had thrown out the idea of us doing a rerun segment, and I know mm-hmm. you have a rerun to get to, but I, do. I was too excited. I had one in mind, and I was like, forget it. I'm going <laughs> all in on this great house. I don't even want the taste of another rum in my mouth before I try this for the first time. So I am here prepared to talk about my initial first brush impressions of Great House compared to the other Hampton releases, which uh, you, you, you compared it to the Hampton 46 right. on the previous episode. That is a bottle that is near and dear to my heart. It's also a bottle that comes up on this episode today with Ian Burrell. So it's all connected. But I, you know, I kind of see the the, the Hampton 46 as kind of like that perfect intro to Hampton for people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe even an intro to what people mean when they say funk in Jamaican rums. Or hago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's something that Ian brings up on the podcast because I, I think... Depending on what people are into, usually I tell people to start with Appleton. That's that's kind of my go-to because, as Ian talks about, e- even though Hampton 46 may be on the milder end of the mm-hmm. funk spectrum for mm-hmm. people who are really into rum, 
for someone who's totally new to it, it's like, whoa, like, whoa, like, what is this is I've never had anything like this. You know, it can be a lot for people to take on. And the 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 great house, I would say, is is up a degree in that. And it's really interesting to compare the two because I like I, I, I initially love great house. I also love that rum, as you know. Right. I would say this one to me, it's it's younger. It's brighter. It's crisper it's fruitier yeah hampton 46 to me is it's a little more like it's kind of it's 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 like brooding like a little more laid back a little more like like a nice hearty stew that you would have okay whereas this is like it it's it's like a tropical fruit ceviche or something like that (laughs) like it's like it's like got a little tartness a little sour here and there but it's so bright so much like fruit just exploding off the nose and off the palate initially and then you get on the finish more of that depth you get the oak a little bit not Mm -hmm. as much as i get with the 46 but i i don't know it's 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 like funk in hd it's like so bright and crisp in hd that Um, is great yes but, but but something that came back to me from ian he he talks a lot about rum experiences about Mm -hmm. different rum experiences and that's what those two rums are to me you can tell they're both from the same place both excellent but they're different rum experiences and it's it's funny because i sent some samples of someone who is totally new to drinking rum who likes bourbon and i sent four square sagacity okay hampton 46 and holmes key Guyana, the the Port Morant release, got it. And uh, he he was he was messaging me about you know initial impressions. And uh, the the person I sent it to, we're both big basketball fans. We talk about basketball a lot. And right around yeah. the time he was talking about this, there was this highlight, this viral clip going off on the internet of one of the most vicious dunks of the season, or maybe in the past couple of years. There's this rookie kid. Anthony Edwards in Minnesota, and he just had this this nasty dunk. Like if you just Google Anthony Edwards, dunk, it's good. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's awesome. You should you yeah. should maybe I'll put the sound of it behind uh, <laughs> when I edit this into the podcast. But anyway, he's a big Minnesota Timberwolves fan, which is the team Anthony Edwards plays for. Gotcha. And so he's telling me his initial impressions of these rums, and he says. I showed my wife the Anthony Edwards dunk right after we tried number two, which was the Hampton 46. Okay. And so they said, tried them all on the same night. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and she said, that's what the rum was. A quote, filthy Anthony Edwards dunk. <laughs> and so that's the 46. Again, the one that I'm describing as kind of the more tame experience yeah. between the two. But that's someone who's new to rum. Okay. Um, so it's 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 even that rum. I, I think when, when people say like filthy Anthony Edwards dunk... It's not filthy in the bad sense. It's in that like aggressive, punchy, like, emphatic. Mm, it just yeah, gets mm, on you. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Now, I, the other side of the coin with that is, I, I think a, a lot of times when we talk about these Jamaican rums and stuff, we talk about like funk or like you know filthy, wild, etc. In, in the good sense of those words, but mm-hmm. I think those can also kind of downplay almost the the craftsmanship and refinement of these rums, which I totally don't want to do. Right. Um, but you're not saying it's aggressive. As yeah. much as is authoritative, it, Author- it's yeah. making a statement. Exactly, yeah. and and also just not that it's just like this wild, loose, crazy thing. Like like these right. are like artisans. Like it's it's craftsmanship. It's refined. It's it's in- yeah. incredible. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, that was just interesting to me hearing that, and then keeping that in mind as I tried this great house release and comparing the two. Uh, you know, I th- I think people who are into rum and, and drink a lot of it all the time, they they taste the Hampton Forty Six and they're like, oh, it's like 
barely funky. You know, it's pretty mild, but it's just interesting to kind of keep that perspective in mind. <laughs> right, uh, right. But yeah, those I'm still, you know, I'm still reeling a little bit from my, my great house experience. I'm, I'm really into it. And it's interesting, actually, because just between this is almost like a mini rerun <laughs> because just between <laughs> tasting it last night and tasting it now, perceptions change uh, yeah. for, for me yeah. right off the bat already. Like today, I'm getting a lot more of the that the the oak rather than uh, I was almost getting like 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 really like sour uh, candy fruit last night and that's toned down a lot for me today it's still there but it's just yeah. interesting that's that's kind of why I, I like to sit with rums a little bit before I like make right. up my mind completely on it because it can change so much for me from day to day but they do anyway those are my well, Hampton Great House thoughts uh, I would say if this rum is available to you you should find it uh, it's great. I am very excited to have it here with me to enjoy over the next few months. And with that in mind, I know you do have a rerun. You came prepared for the podcast to do what we committed to do, (laughs) even though I showed up and kind of changing the agenda. I'm excited to hear your rerun before we get to this interview with Ian Burrell. Sure. Well, okay. I have one question for you before I start mine, which is, so you said that the the Hampton 46 is a a filthy Anthony Edwards uh, dunk, right? Sure. What would the great house be? Actually, that's that's what my my buddy's wife said. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. You're just repeating that. That, uh, Gotcha. I want to make sure. Okay. And now in your own thoughts, if great house was a dunk, what kind of dunk is that? Okay. So I I would more apply that comparison to great house like to me um there's there's i'm trying to think of a dunk that like isn't just iconic to only nba nerds um well i was gonna say the michael jordan you know eight foot like the the dunk from the free throw line right right yeah that okay that is good because that you know that's kind of like that that's that's a filthy move but it's also like wow there's like grace and uh like athleticism yeah. there's he's almost like floating in the air you know exactly that's that's a that's a master of his craft in action right i love that we're bringing all this basketball <laughs> talking by the way because we talk about basketball with ian who yes. i think many people won't know was a professional basketball player in the Crazy, uk right? yeah in his younger days and we get into that a little bit later in the podcast but yeah yeah i'll have to think more on my my dunk comparisons but uh i, I love the idea of rums as dunks that's right up that's kind of like a perfect venn diagram of two things <laughs> that I love coming together. <laughs> awesome. All right, on to my uh, my rerum here for today. So I was thinking about what to rerum. Obviously, anytime we talk and you said I prepared, and yes, I did. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, and I was thinking about what is it that I want to talk about and what's interesting because I think the thing about the rerum for me is that it's going back to something that either you didn't necessarily have the greatest experience with before mm. or something that you just were interested in. It came up recently and you're like, huh, I just want to check this out. So sure. I'll start by saying I recently got to try the recent TCRL, the Transcontinental uh, Rum Line Trinidad 2001 release. Okay. So that's a really great rum and phenomenal. I tried it actually, AB'd that with a Carony 2000. Uh, which is also Trinidad rum. And right. I really thought that that was honestly better in every single way. Um, so that was great. And that was part of actually a Florida Rum Society event. So, uh, okay. you know, that was really, really awesome and got to try that one. But that led me to this, which is 
Today's rerun for me, I'm going to show it to Will on here. It is 10 Cane Rum, oh, which is a Trinidad wow. okay. product that is yeah. no longer made. Yeah, yeah, not available anymore. The not brand available. is the brand is is gone. It's defunct. Yes, it is stopped. I can't think of any other descriptives for it. But um, the stills that made that rum aren't even in Trinidad anymore. They're in Puerto they Rico now, as they we mentioned right. with in our interview with Frank Ward. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to this one that are very interesting. Uh, interesting to me. It's uh, I'll give it. This brand is a Trinidad rum, or it started mm-hmm. life as a Trinidad rum. Pot still ten months aged only from fresh press cane juice. Originally. So this is not the blend because I know Tin Cane had some releases that were a blend of cane juice and molasses. Just correct. So I was okay. lucky enough that I walked into a local shop here in Miami and Found saw this dusties. bottle on the shelf. I found that dusty, and it turns <laughs> out that this is one of the original. It I had to look and figure out because there's even two different bottle designs. Uh-huh. Like this is really like ten cane is like really a, a rum riddle because there's just so much different things that you have to figure out about it if you're interested to do so. There's right. different bottle designs and shapes. There's different blends like you talked about, and even at some point there was Barbados rum instead of Trinidad rum. Really, I didn't know yes. that. Yeah, so it's like actually, you had to do like some square. Google archaeology to figure out what you have on your hands. It really did, and actually, funny enough. I couldn't find it out online. I was like, I can't tell what if this is the blend. I can't tell if this has Barbados in it. It says Trinidad <laughs> rum on it. But uh-huh. lucky enough, mine came with a hang tag on it. Uh-huh. And as a last step before we were recording today, I looked at this little hang tag on it, and it says... Created from the first pressing of carefully handled virgin cane, a decadence unachievable with molasses. Oh, wow. So they're even doing the thing where they kind of like throw shade a little bit at the molasses-based drums. So my presumption is that this bottle has no molasses blend, and this is 100% fresh-pressed cane juice from Trinidad. <laughs> I love that they're and- just like taking shots at molasses, and then just like, you know, <laughs> within a few years, they're putting that in there too. Right. <laughs> it didn't go the way they wanted it. <laughs> yeah, it's marketing for you. Um, but anyway, so let's talk a little bit more about this rum. First of all, a lot of people call it Iacane. I don't know if you've seen that because of the font. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's <laughs> yes. funny. So it looks like Iacane rum instead of Ten Cane rum, uh, which I have seen that choice, online. Perhaps. Bad font choice. All of this may have been, you know, missteps that unfortunately this brand had. <laughs> um, but what I will say is it's a really nice rum. Mm. Uh, it, it's 40% ABV, so we're not talking about anything super high for rum geeks like us. But even within that 40%, it's really pleasant. Mm. Um, the, the 10 months aging and the color on this is straw color, kind of like Probitas yeah. or Veritas. I love that color in rums, I by do the way. too. I, I don't think there's enough of it, actually. So one of the things that occurred to me as I was with this rum is that this rum, other than Probitas and Veritas, and I'm sure there's some others out there I'm not thinking of, but there's not a whole lot of very lightly aged rums in the market. That aren't Um, filtered, you you mean? That aren't filtered, correct. Yeah. So uh, I really think this is a special kind of product, and I'm I'm really happy that I was able to find it even after it stopped ma- being made in like 2015. Mm. Um, so that that it's really nice. It's very light. It's fruity. I don't know that I would really consider this one a super sipper. Wow, that okay. sounded weird. But super uh, sipper. I, it, yeah, like it, it's. I don't know that it's a sipping rum in the sense of like this is what always I'm going to grab and I'm looking to sip, which I do most of. However. I do think it's worthy of sipping, and I, okay. I, I do think it's a fun experience to sip. But I do think also it, it's it's really a daiquiri rum, or or much more of like a, a mixing, you know, mojito or some of that classic drinks that you would think of that uh, are still within my grasp to do because I'm learning. Um, this <laughs> is a great rum for that. I'm I'm 
The first question that comes to mind is because I think when people hear cane juice rums, they instantly go to agricole. And so, right. you know, as you said, though, this is pot distilled. Right. Um, how does it compare to you to some of the Blanc agricoles that you've had? So I'm really glad you asked that question because the one thing that sticks out to me here is that there is a lot of difference. And mm -hmm. I, last year I, on the podcast, we talked about like I had no experience with agricoles really. And we were just getting, I think it was Kiwa's episode yeah. uh, where we talked about that. But I've been lucky to have experienced quite a few agricoles since then. Okay. Uh, and many of them are, are either unaged or very lightly aged. Mm -hmm. uh, and I will say that I'm really enjoying those now. It is, it is a very different classification of rum, obviously. But this one doesn't quite have have some of the same hallmarks as yeah. as the agricoles. It's less grassy and fruity than a lot of the agricoles that mm -hmm. I've tasted. And uh, Nissan was one I recently had, which I really enjoyed. This one, for some reason, even though it is fresh pressed cane juice, it, I, I don't know that I would have even been able to tell. Interesting. So almost um, like I, I feel I feel that way sometimes about Barbancourt. Yes, it's actually much closer to Barbancourt. Uh, that's a good comparison. Now that which is interesting that. though because Barbancourt comes from you know a column still which yeah. is also a much different type of column still than is used for the agricole rums mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um but yeah it just goes to show kind of you can never judge a rum necessarily by its still yeah uh it's a great rum uh, if there are any bottles left in the world i do suggest that people do grab them because it, it's not coming back from what i understand and uh it's it's a really really nice fresh pressed cane juice rum that does have different hallmarks and is not quite as tangy or grassy still mm -hmm. has some sweetness in there but a really really phenomenal one that i hope that somebody is able to kind of think about bringing back to market a similar product at some point yeah well may maybe maybe the next thing we need to do is is get our hands of on some Ron Pepon, which is the cane juice rum that's being distilled on those stills now, like nice. I mentioned, in Puerto Rico, uh, yeah. and, and see how that compares to that uh, 10K and distillate. But yeah. uh, that's great. That's that's a great find. Very cool. I know there are a lot of people who were big fans of that rum, and I always enjoy when you know people stumble upon one of those old bottles that's still out there in the wild. I've yet to see one, so I have not had that rum, yeah. but uh, very cool. Yeah. And uh, also on that note, by the way, you know, you were talking about being newer to agricole and warming up to it a little bit. And that's something that right. Ian Burrell brought up in his in the interview today was just that it was an acquired taste for him. Something mm -hmm. at first, you know, he had to kind of warm up to it. So on that note, this was a really I, it, it's almost like, of course, a conversation with Ian Burrell is going to be fun because yep. that's the you kind that of personality in, right? he has. Exactly. But this was a really fun conversation, and we got to learn a lot about what he has done over the past, over a year now, with Equiano, which is the brand that he is a partner in producing, a co-founder of, the first African Caribbean rum uh, featuring rum from Foursquare in Barbados, featuring mm -hmm. rum from Grays in Mauritius. Mm -hmm. And hearing the whole backstory of that was really interesting to me, hearing how he first became familiar with rum from Mauritius in the first place, the bigger story behind what they're doing. We also got into the International Sugarcane Spirits Awards, which was great. Yes. A new rum competition, or I should say Sugarcane Spirits competitions, because they also judge cachaças and things like that. Mm -hmm. And the results were recently announced. It's different in a lot of ways from typical competitions. And we get into that as well as like why they made those decisions and everything. 
And then at the end, we kind of just bounced around the rum world, just like digging into Ian's just experience. Like Ian does. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> just having him kind of, you know, touch on different parts of the, of the, the rum universe that maybe don't get as much attention as others and things like that. Learned a little bit more about Ian's own personal story and everything. So it was really fun. I had a blast doing it. I hope people enjoy it as well. Any, anything to, to add on that note or, or to cover before we get into the interview? No, I think you covered it really, really well. And you, as you mentioned, Ian Burrell is a fun guy, and he's just uh, such a, a, an awesome personality to represent a lot of the rum world. And it was great for me to hear a little bit of insight into his personal journey as well. I think he spends yeah. so much time talking a lot about rum and a lot about different things that we mentioned, but there's also the personal side of the story that he tells, which I really appreciated. And uh, so I hope people uh, look forward to that. I like that part quite a bit. Yeah, excellent. Well, with that said, let's get to it. Also, quick note before we get into the interview, we had just some slight audio issues for the first 8 to 10 minutes or so. Not horrible, but a little bit below our typical standards, but we made some changes and it improves significantly after that mark in the interview. So hang in there and enjoy. Hey, Rumcasters. If you love rum like we do, there are six simple but meaningful words that are likely to get your attention. Single barrel, cask strength, no additives. Those six words are the whole premise behind the single cask rum releases from Holmes Key, the sponsor for this episode of the Rumcast. Holmes Key seeks out the world's best rums and releases them unadulterated and at cask strength in limited editions. Check out their website at homeskey.com to learn about current releases distilled at places like Foursquare in Barbados, Demerara Distillers in Guyana, Travelers Liquors in Belize, and South Pacific Distilleries in Fiji. And be sure to look out for new releases of limited editions that are releasing soon in 2021. Find them at Holmes Key. That's H-O-L-M-E-S-C-A-Y dot com. Now back to the show. All right. So we are here with Ian Burrell, the global rum ambassador, the man with the coolest title in rum. Actually, I guess we can say in all his spirits since, you know, it's rum. It's the best spirit. So... Co-founder of Equiano Rum, co-founder of International Sugarcane Spirits Awards, founder of the UK Rum Fest. I could keep going. You but need a scroll. I know. <laughs> what's, what's really on my mind, uh, Ian, is is something that John and I found out during another recent interview. It was with some of the folks at St. Lucia Distillers, and we had oh. asked about the master selection program and the origin of it. And uh, Margaret, the CEO, said, well, actually, yeah. it was kind of because of Ian Burrell. Uh, he came to, to pick out <laughs> wow. a barrel of rum. So you can now add, I think, you know, creator of wow. Master Selection, yeah. St. Lucia. We were like, of course. Of course, it was wow. Ian. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think that's the first time my name actually appeared a bottle for a Velia's St. Lucia um, uh, rum. That um, Luca had asked me, Luca Gagano had asked me to actually uh, select a barrel, uh, a couple barrels while I was there. So I was like, wow, I feel honored. Lucas asked me to select a barrel for his Bellier collection. I was like, yeah, but tasting this, tasting that. I'm like, yeah, taste that. Yeah, that one. That, those two will do. <laughs> That's a nice little errand to get added, you know, onto your trip while you're there. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Maybe, maybe work while I'm on vacation. <laughs> 
so Ian, as a global rum ambassador, and, and you do a lot of traveling and have uh, been many places, I imagine a lot of your job pre-COVID did involve mostly going to different places in the world and attending various rum events all over. I know you've put some together yourself. Um, mm-hmm. When coronavirus began to start limiting all that travel and cancel mm-hmm. some of the in-person events, how did you pivot in your role and what sort of things have you found yourself doing to stay connected to the community? Um, that's great. A great question. It was, it, it was, I knew that for me to continue doing what I do, which is, um, just sharing, sharing stories and sharing the love about rum. I, I knew, uh, although it's a, a great to actually be traveling around and being in front of a lot of the people you talk to, um, because there's no, uh, rums always taste better when you're drinking it with friends. Um, yeah. and also in the, in the tropical environments of where they're made, um, I knew that the, the message still had to be had to be told um, and we can still virtually travel like we're doing now. Um, and at that particular time, Zoom calls and, and Google Meets weren't really um, as as uh, uh, as abundant in, in our repertoire as we as they are now. So I do maybe one Skype call maybe every six months, uh, one Zoom call every Two years. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Like, I have used Zoom for a while, um, mm. and whenever I would try to do a Zoom call with someone prior to the pandemic, mm. I would be like, "Yeah, I use yeah. this thing called Zoom. Like, yeah. you know, you don't have to, you don't have to download anything, and I have to explain yeah. it." And now it's just like everyone knows. Yeah, it's just natural. Now it's just part of the conversation. Yeah, Zoom me, Zoom me. Not even call me. Just Zoom me, Zoom me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, the, the way the way I adapted was still being able to reach out to as, as, as many people, even, in fact, even more people, but now just doing it in this format and, 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 and changing the way that you got your message across because you can actually be there in front of people, but you could still, still get that message across. You could organize tastings by sending your products in advance um, um, to the audience. A lot of the uh, Instagram live um, uh, sessions started appearing and those were quite easy to do. It's great that they were only limited to like 40 minutes at a time. <laughs> as such, you can do a couple, two or three uh, different time zones uh, as well. But um, yeah, so it, it was it was almost like the, the brand, as in the Roman ambassador, got to speak in front of and speak to more people mm. by not mm. being able to jump on a plane and travel. So that was like a little bit of a silver lining out of the whole of, uh, of, of the pandemic with the fact that that message, the rum ambassador message or the rum message, um, was still being was 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 still able. I was still able to get that message across to to people, but probably even more more so without traveling. So yes, it was just about adapting and evolving. So I know, I know one thing that's been really big for you uh, recently is the launch of Equiano, uh, which is yes, the yes. brand that you have co-founded uh, with, I know, a team of people. Uh, the rum community also know that uh, Richard Seal is involved with it. So, yeah. you know, something yeah. that got on a lot of people's radars right away. Mm-hmm. Um, really unique product. Great story. You know, we'll get into the, the details of the product and everything. But the, the first question I had, you know, it's it's an, the first African Caribbean mm. rum blend. So you have yes. rum from Gray's Distillery in Mauritius, rum right. from Foursquare Distillery. And mm-hmm. the, the, fir- the first thing I was wondering about is how far back does your knowledge and uh, experience with Gray's go? Like when did Gray's in Mauritius first get on your right. radar? Not necessarily <laughs> as, as like, I'm going to, you know, bottle this one day. But like, what was your yeah. just first experience with the distillery like? My first experience was uh, back in 2008. Um, my my accountant and a really good friend of mine is Mauritian, 
And I was in a class and I used to own this bar restaurant in North London called Cotton's. We had about 300 rums in there. And I regularly do like master classes for bartenders. They'll arrange sessions where they'll come to the bar and, and uh, yeah, I'll do a little session with them. And he walked in one time and I think I was in a session about Jamaica rums and he, in his bag, he had some Mauritian rums uh, in there. And I was like, Mauritius? They don't make rum in Mauritius, do they? <laughs> he was like, yeah, of course they do, because he's growing up drinking that rum. And I'm like, yeah, it's not as good as our Jamaican rum. Probably the same way as if I was Jamaican going to Mauritius, say, yeah, Jamaica's the best. So I was, I had that, uh, that Jamaican uh, confidence about our products compared to what I didn't know, which is Mauritian rum. And tried the rum, and I was like, um, tried a couple of them. And I was like, oh, it's not bad. Uh, it's a lot of potential. And I, good. Yeah, I, was, I thought it'd be a lot worse than what they would, would have been back then. And um, and then without, after a few talks and questions and more samples of rums and getting to know uh, Jürgen, uh, the guy that introduced me to the uh, to, to great, it was um, Green Island rum, another rum called Saint-Aubin, which is a fresh sugar cane juice rum pot still from the south of the island. Another one called uh, Flamboyant, which is that big tree that they have out in Mauritius and the brand was named mm-hmm. after that. And another one called Lille, and Lille de Lille France, which is what France actually called Mauritius, Lille France. Um, that's what the French called Mauritius, and that was actually made from the rings. And so I tried those, and I was like, "Wow, decent, decent rums. Not as good as Jamaican rums, but decent rums." As <laughs> I like, were in there, a year later, I was traveling to Mauritius to um, not only learn about a new category or new style of rum, but also um, through conversations with some of the distilleries online, um, on emails, and with Jurgen, we felt that. This was, in context to other things I was doing, this was the second year after I'd created Rumfest. And the idea would be to create mini rum festivals around the world. And I said, well, why don't we do a little mini one in, in Mauritius? And we did a little mini rum festival at my friend's dad's hotel. Well, we got three distilleries together. We got Mauritian Airlines. And we had the Minister of uh, Agriculture come there, do a little presentation. And we just do tastings with guests that were at their hotel and um, a few people that were VIPs that were invited um, for that evening. And I was announced as like the rum ambassador. And I was like, wow, global ambassador now because I'm here in Mauritius. Right. That name works. I might keep that. Um, and it was a case of, yeah, just uh, getting people to understand that uh, there were different rums from another part of the world, but also locally, it was trying to get the various distilleries to work together because they'd never even been under the same roof under the same event. Yes, they all knew each other, but they were seen as rivals. And I explained to them, the only way you guys are going to be stronger is if you guys work together as a country, as opposed to individual brands, because it's going to be hard competing against these Caribbean rums. So my first experience as Grays was in 2008. When I first met them out in Mauritius, they then took me to the distillery and I went through their facilities and I was like, wow, so some great age stock. And I saw the potential tasting some of the younger rums that were there. Uh, all molasses based. They didn't do any sugarcane juice, although some of the other um, distilleries in the islands did. Um, and I said, wow, I'd love to see what you guys are going to have like in two years time, in three years time, in four years time. So I've been following them ever since 2008. And, uh, getting, and they've been just getting better and better and better. So it was a no brainer for me to actually look at, look at them as one of the rums I wanted to work with if I ever decided to create a brand. So that's the, the Mauritius side of things. Yes. Um, the other side of things, uh, Barbados. So when Richard Seal was on the show, um, probably like a year ago, and one of the kind of rapid questions we asked him at the end was who his favorite person to share a bottle of rum with is. And he said, oh. you. Um, wow. So You know what? Someone told me this last night and I was like, really? No way. <laughs> I was in this, I was in the global rum room and they said they because they were listening to your cast and uh, 
Um, and they said, yeah, Richard said you were the pe- person that he would like to drink a rum with. We're like, my God, was he drinking at that time? <laughs> <laughs> he may have been. Uh, we didn't have the cameras on, so I can't confirm, uh, you know, 100% certainty whether whether he was having a, a glass or not. But yeah, and so... I feel honored, I feel honored that he would say that. Yeah, it's it's great. And and so I was, you know, I wanted to, when, when did your relationship with Richard begin? And how did you get to the point of, you know, where, where you could be involved in business together? Well, I actually first met Richard um, the first year I did my rum fest. Um, when I created the events, uh, people thought I was crazy, thought I was mad. Um, rums definitely didn't have a premium sector that of noted that that, were, that anyone that was taken serious. So to create an event that actually just focused on promoting rum, um, like the whiskey festivals, like the mm-hmm. beer festivals, the wine festivals at the time, um, just was unprecedented. So when the message got back to him in Barbados from his importers that this guy in England um, calls himself the UK rum ambassador is going to organize a rum event, he just thought, yeah, crazy. But at the end of the day, he said, let me come out there, flew out um, just to support the brands. And uh, and that's how we actually met. And even then, uh, it was just like passing conversation here, conversations there. Richard was Richard still felt he was still newish to the game, um, like 12 years <laughs> into mm-hmm. the business. But it, it his brand, his his rums stood out even then. Um, it was it was mainly the Dorley's collection, and uh, I know I think it was a couple of years later I organised an event called the Boutique Rum Show, which was for smaller brands like Dorley's to really get recognition against the big brands. And we had our first tasting competition, and Dorley's won the first boutique rum brand uh, that that had ever been done, and that made that really helped put what's called boutique uh, sorry uh, Dorley's and Foursquare on the radar because people started yeah. taking notice of the Foursquare rums, and it was just just. It was just com- it was just building up relationships, relationships there, uh, and then I was asked I was asked to be a spokesperson and ambassador for an organization called Worst Bar. Yes. Um, this was back in let me see, so two that would have been about two thousand and nine, two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. So my role was to represent all of these rums within within the Caribbean region, and I had to know about all of these products. So I had to know about Dorleys, I had to know about Appleton, I had to know about Mount Gay, uh, all of an old grog from. Um, from Grenada, uh, such English Harbor, Antigua. So learning about Dorleys um, and, and Foursquare rums was was just great because, again, it wasn't one of the – when I thought of Barbados rum, I thought of Mount Gay and, and right. Coxburgh. Um, mm-hmm. So this was like the new rum. Uh, and there was another new rum on the on the verge of coming out called Nicholas Abbey. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was while I was in Barbados that he, that's where I really saw the real Richard – um, of course, I've gone in there saying Jamaica rum is the best rum in the world because <laughs> <laughs> there's a rivalry between Barbados and Jamaica. Um, just, and- just on that note real quick, another mm-hmm. little fast question we asked him at the end was, other than Barbados, what country yeah. makes the best rum in the world? And he did concede Jamaica. So Yeah, yeah. As long as he put Jamaica above Barbados, then that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so... We were in his um, uh, his lab, uh, myself and another spirit spirit guy, um, Dave Brew. And oh, we were yeah. In, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. we were inside his lab, and uh, and he gave us some samples of some rum, and uh, he said, "How old do you think these are?" And so I took a taste of my one. I thought, interesting. Yeah, I reckon it's about four, five years old. Dave was like, "No, it's a little bit older, about maybe six, seven years old." He said, "Nope, about four months." I'm like, "What? <laughs> <laughs> four months?" 
it's like four months and that's first of all that's where we learned about tropical aging of uh, how much right. the agent really impacts inside a barrel because of the amount of flavor that this his liquid had taken in that short space of time but then he gave us another rum and said how do you think that is and i'm like well i'm not going to get me again this is younger this is about three years old dave was like yeah i agree again this was about six months but it'd been doctored. It added some, yeah, he added some sugar in there and he added a little bit of caramel and some mm. other stuff inside there. And he said, this is, uh, sorry, it wasn't six, six months. Sorry, it was unaged. It was unaged. Oh, wow. um, because he had doctored it, he tried to make it look aged. He says, you have to watch out for some of the rums are out there because they're like this. And again, light bulb moment. Um, it made us look at rums even more um, with scrutiny. Uh, mm. But that's where I then saw Richard Seal, as in, I'm a purist. And when I make rums for the future, it will be a certain way. And amen to Richard, because he's one of the, one of, for me, one of the most important people in modern day rum, um, because of his attitude to what rums should be. Right. And commitment to like shifting the paradigm in those creative ways that he does it. Yeah. Massively. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's why I, um, after that, I think a couple of years later, I invited him to tell of the cocktail to join me on one of my seminars and gave him his debut uh, in front of the, the American bartender audience. And again, it was that same experiment he did where he right. had the doctored rum and then an age rum and asked the crowd which one they liked the most. And half went for one, half went for the doctored, half went for the, the truly age run. And and that was that was the exercise. It was like, hmm. listen, half of you have gone for a product that I created, I could create in like two minutes uh, after the distillation. So understand what you're drinking, be careful what you pay for. Um, and wow. again- that that started the ball rolling about that 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 narrative about uh, different styles of rums. Wow. When when you start, you mentioned uh, starting to to work with Werspa back then. Mm. Was, yes. was that was that while Frank Ward was the chairman? Correct. Yeah, Frank Ward was a chairman. Uh, actually, just before Frank, it was a guy named Patrick Mayer who was okay. uh, who looked after Cox, but he was part of West Indies. And then it became Frank Ward. Um, so I knew and worked with both of those. And it was a little bit of resistance, funny, not from Frank and not from Patrick, from a few other members, because I've only worked for one brand in my life, and that was Appleton. And they felt when I, my name was put forward and nominated to be that spokesperson, they said, well, he's an Appleton guy. He's not really going to give us all the fair. So like crack prioritize, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, Jamaica, yeah. 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 Which I found quite strange and a bit contradictory because you've got the president of the company who is the uh, general manager of Coxpur, and then you got Frank who <laughs> Mount is Gay. Mount Gay mm-hmm. uh, or Mount Gilboa at the time. So you yeah. can be impartial as long as it's good quality rum. And 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 again, what I did, and there's one particular, I won't mention the brand, but there's one particular brand and one particular. Uh, person that was very against me being involved and i flew to that island and went down to the distillery they didn't know i was turning up i turned up at the door knocked at the door was like oh wow ian's here <laughs> and i said like, i come to taste your rums i come to talk about your rums come to learn about your rums next thing you know i'm doing seminars and master classes in that country about their rums to that knew me and that's when they realized now, this guy is uh he's a little bit more than just somebody just says calls himself a rum ambassador this guy loves rum and will like put his money where his mouth is. And that's exactly what I did. So yeah, so it was a good couple of years working with them. So talking a lot about those pre-existing relationships and, and back to, to Richard a little bit with the Equiano. So yes. I, I'm kind of interested to know which came first. Was it the idea that you had to like blend the African and Barbados rum mm-hmm. and then it was about trying to find the right blend? Or mm-hmm. was it that you're like, you're like, gosh, this is great Mauritius rum. Mm-hmm. And it, maybe if we try blending it with some Caribbean rum, then that will work. Which of those two was it? And I'm curious to know how it, how it happened. Okay, so the idea of creating an African and Caribbean rum came first. 
uh, before we knew which country we were going to use um, and and how the blend was going to evolve. So that came first because my heritage is African-Caribbean here mm-hmm. in the UK. So I wanted, when the opportunity came to create this brand, it was like, yeah, let's create an African-Caribbean rum. So once we did that, uh, it was like, right, which part of the Caribbean we're going to use? Because that's, good right. for me, that's the easy part. Now, as a Jamaican, I was like, oh, yeah, Jamaica, Jamaica. <laughs> that's what we were wondering, yeah. yeah. But yeah. also, Literally also, had that on there. I'm like, why not uh, Jamaican? Well, how did that happen? Correct, so. correct. But then also the business sense, the business sense came into play. And it's like, <laughs> got it. Okay, Jamaica, Jamaican rums for me are like the are like the Isla whiskies of the of the rum world. The yeah, single malt. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah. You like there are there are certain parts of Jamaica rum, like Trelawney. I see Trelawney like Isla. And mm-hmm. I see like Appleton like Speyside. Um, mm-hmm. Appleton is a bit more, is blended, much more accessible, more more like a true Jamaican rums to Jamaicans. Because mm. Jamaicans don't really drink. Trelawney rums as much. Right. In fact, they hardly do. Yeah, we we just talked to Christelle Harris yep, last yep. Saturday, and yep. oh, yeah, um, yeah. that you know that was one of the areas of conversation we were talking about. Like when your family first came into ownership of Hampton, she was like, "No one in Jamaica like knows what Hampton is." Right. Um, they don't. Yeah. They don't. They don't. But in Europe, they they know it. They love it. They use it in blends. Yep. Um, and when we when when Jamaica, which has its own uh, internal classification of rums, uh, from like common clean right up to you got your plumbers, your weather burns, you got the light continentals mm-hmm. and your heavy continentals. Those heavy and light continentals were pretty much all Chalorni rums were were Hamden, some of the long ponds, but they were going out to Europe for the continent to be blended to be blended in either perfumes or in blends of other rums mm-hmm. even the schnitt which is uh, rum germany and it's actually a legal legal spirit out there 95 percent local spirit five percent heavy uh continental light and uh, continental um, rums from jamaica so when we talk about jamaican rums everyone's thinking of the funk and the and the uh, the hugger and uh, the mm-hmm. thunder and all that type of stuff and yes they are flavorsome yes they're great especially if you enjoy spirits but most people that enjoy that are still a minority. Mm-hmm. I'm looking to try and create a brand where I want everyone to enjoy and everyone to drink it on a regular basis. And of the islands that I know and identify with very close, the island that's producing rums like that at the moment, that people are like, oh, I love all that, is Barbados, okay. unfortunately, as a Jamaican. So, <laughs> so Barbados was always going to be the Caribbean component of this blend, of this. Oh, so there's First potentially blend. um, more so blends. Blend. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This is just a start. Um, so, yeah. So Barbados. And then, of course, if it's Barbados, it has to be Richard. Um, I just I was just hoping that Richard would agree to actually uh, blend his rum with someone else other than Hamden um, for mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Veritas. Right. Um, and when I said to him, this is the idea. And he says, yeah, no problem. Let's do it. Like wow, that was that easy. Was easy. <laughs> that was easy. Wait a minute. If I was Diageo, he'd have kicked me out. He'd say, like, "Get out of my office." If I was Perna Ricard, get out of my office and that. So yeah, so it was that, and it was then finding uh, the character, the African component. But first of all, that Richard would appreciate and enjoy. And I know Richard liked rums from likes rums from the Grey Distillery. Their brand mm-hmm. is a, a brand called New Grove. I remember him first trying um, a cast strength one. We were in Hong Kong at a rum festival in Hong Kong. Oh. Myself and Richard there, and he was had glowing glowing reports uh for the actual product and it's it's rare when richard gives his seal of approval on other rums that are not barbados runs but you saw the potential there and and liked it and so i knew that he would be confident i would be confident in the liquid coming out of that distillery to use in this initial blend of equiano so it was just then finding the right one and i was playing around in my kitchen with the various blends using some four square rums using some new groves 
came out with an idea of the, the profile I wanted. That was mm-hmm. an explainer show to Richard. Bam, he made it in batch. Um, and uh, the Equiano, the original, is history. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> so that's how it came. The name came after. It came after the actual African African Caribbean component of the rum. Right. And mm-hmm. I love like how, you know, you had the idea that's so tied to your own personal heritage. And then you mm-hmm. found this story of Olauda Equiano that just yeah. feels like meant to be. Um, oh, like, man, how, did, how did you come you, across the story in the first place? That is, I, I came across the story when I was younger, um, learning about or being taught about what's called black history, uh, sure. British black history. Yeah, It wasn't part of the curriculum in school, but you learn about certain figures, um, historical figures that I've not talked about much or I've just forgotten about that happened to be African. Did, do you, um, did so, you have like, like here in the, in the States, I know February actually is, yes. has been black history month for a long time. Yes. Do you have an right. equivalent of that in the UK? Is it kind of October, okay. which is why, I, okay. which is why I did my rum fest uh, in October. Oh, wow. it's, it's black history month. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I purposely did that back in 2007. So yes, we do. We do. Okay. So again, you just said about um, how things just align. It's like a light bulb moment. The African Caribbean, idea of a rum came about and when we're thinking of names one name came up who was an african um who had worked or gone to the caribbean and we were going to pick that name i can't say the name because we might use it for another brand okay, in the future. Okay. <laughs> so we had that name a working title and then richard listened to it and said no sounds too sounds too latin <laughs> Too too, too Latin for for, for Richard, who's putting all these Italian and different names on his his releases. Good point. Plenty Potenziario. Yeah, I'm glad you can say it. I can only say it after a few rums. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I can say it after a few rums. It's probably wrong, but it sounds good in my ears. Um, So, yeah, so we uh, we shelved that idea, but then quickly followed by, it was like a light bulb moment when we were sitting around a table. um, It was like, oh, what about Equiano? And it was like, wow, one of our partners said, Equiano, what's Equiano? And like, I explained what well, Alauda Equiano was an African um, enslaved when he was 11, brought to the Caribbean, sent to the States and went, came to the UK. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. He went to Barbados as well. He would have been sold or uh, paraded in Barbados because that was the point um, that all the, the ships uh, came there. And it was mm-hmm. like, this is exactly where our rum is. Our rum is Africa, go to the Barbados. And then we're going to sell in America and sell in the UK. It just all fit together. Yeah. And it was like, wow, we need to really look into this story even more. Uh, and, and 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 definitely we want to tell this story because, again, people didn't know this story. People don't even know this story in Barbados, let alone in the UK, let alone in the States. So it was an opportunity to retell this story because that's how I made my name of telling stories of mm. things that were passed down to me that I could have been passed on to other people and then hopefully they pass on um, again. So to tell the story of Alauda Recuano, what he did as a freedom fighter, as an abolitionist, as an entrepreneur, was a, it was a great way for us to actually uh, put this in front of people with a bottle of rum. Yeah. Because some of the best experiences I've ever had is sitting down with a bottle of rum and just chatting with friends. Amen and to that. It, yeah. And if, 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 if someone, if a Laudo Equiano's name brings people to the table and they can then have a great conversation and they can find out the commonality between each other mm-hmm. and create help and help with the way that we think about each other, then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely signing up for that. And so that was, that was the reason why we wanted to call the, one of the reasons why we wanted to call um, uh, Equiano Equiano. Plus the fact that um, as a freedom fighter, as an abolitionist, um, a person who fought for equality, the four founding members, uh, when we were sitting down doing brainstorming about the idea for a brand, 
one of the things we all agreed on is any brand that we do, we have to find a way of contributing back to society, giving back or working with people within the industry that help create rum. That uh, yeah. And also the the uh, modern slavery and the anti-slavery movement that we're all passionate about. Mm-hmm. So again, it just all felt right. Um, Calling the brand what it was and what it is. Um, teaming up with Anti-Slavery International, which is our, our charity that we work with. So 5% of our profits will go straight or go straight to antislavery.com. Oh. We're still a new company, so we're not making profits. So for immediate, for immediate what's going impact, we said $2 and £2 for every bottle sold from our website will go straight to them. And we gave our first check to them in January this year which was brilliant to say here's a couple of thousand pounds because we didn't expect to sell as much as what we did but (laughs) we we didn't and but here's 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 a check and we're going to start we're going to monitor and keep tracks of how they're going to be using that and we're going to be highlighting that and promoting that um um for 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 what they do and they're doing a great job one of the oldest organizations for for modern slavery in the world and if we as i said if we can help if we can help give back to what we've taken out taken away from if we can help uh, open people's eyes to in- injustices around the world just as I said through the strength of a drink yeah and yeah. hey that's that's a balance for me so um so yeah so everything just set right just felt right about the brand and i think that i, I i'm not a, i'm not a religious person but i do believe in karma mm. and i do believe in giving out good and coming back and so far stuff that's happened to us in the last year just over a year uh with the brand it's been scary and i think it's just because we've been so positive about what we wanted to do what we want to do as a, as four founders yeah yeah it's it's really cool to hear i think a lot of times when rum enthusiasts spirits enthusiasts they they start hearing talk of like brand and stuff like that yeah. they they instantly start like their skepticism meter oh, you yeah, know bs actually, bs actually. radar goes off because there is a lot of of, of bullshit in the spirits industry oh, as i've heard 100%. you talk about before but occasionally <laughs> you find these these brands that come along but and you're reminded of like the power that a real authentic brand yeah. can have and and the good yes. that it can accomplish and right um you know, it, it's so clear th- that there was a lot of thought intentionality behind Equiano and how it represents rum, you know, the bigger purpose behind everything. You've had a 10,000 foot view of the industry for many <laughs> years now. You've worked with lots of different brands. What now, now having this experience of creating a brand really from scratch, that's so much a part of you. Um, what do you wish you saw more and less of from new rum brands being launched? Um, I think, um, well, one of the things I'd love, I would love to see more of is clarity. Listen, marketed, everything's marketed. Yeah. Um, and we know a lot of brands that are just bullshit marketing. We know a lot of brands have great marketing as such, mm-hmm. but everything is about marketing, getting people to see your product, understand your products, and then getting liquid on lips. But if you have to bullshit your customers with a lot of, a lot of crap out there, lie about the premium, the premium, uh, the premiumization of your product. Mm. Uh, lie, lie at the fact that um, your product's not all natural. You've added loads of stuff to it to get to that flavor. Lie on your age um, of your product just to try and deceive your customers to believe that age means quality. Mm. Then, they, then you need to be called out. And I wish some of these brands had been called out earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, we saw a lot of brands being called out um, because a lot more people had time to sit down in front of their computers <laughs> <laughs> and see stuff like, wow, I missed that. How did I miss that? Right. I didn't realize that was going on. Let me just call these guys out. Um, All these big companies are like, man, these consumers have too much free time on their heads now. <laughs> that's, exactly, that's exactly what it was. People had more free time. So I would have loved to have seen a lot of, lot of brands being called out back in earlier. 
uh, before they made an impact into the way we see spirits or saw spirits. And that's one of the reasons why rum has taken, uh, has such a bad, because of some of these brands and some of these products that were sold or have been sold that are just detrimental to the category uh, and are not technically rum, uh, but but get lumbered into the same category as rum, which means when you have people like the Richard Seals of the world um, in Barbados, or you have the Joy Spencers and the, the Hamdens, the Worthy Parts in Jamaica, and you mm. have all of the rum distilleries in Martinique. Mm. Uh, we, I know you guys can't have drink much rum from Cuba, but you have some great master blenders or Maestro Roneros in, in Cuba making some amazing rums, but again, stifled by what they may, what people may see as, spanish or latin star rums coming out of parts of central america that are like yeah. sugar laden or sweet sherry laden now if you want to do that it's not a problem but don't say it's all natural so they get tarnished and put into that category so when all these guys are making genuine authentic local rums that are trying to get the international market and they're held down by these products out there these uh, charlatans out there that are making substandard inferior products that really hurts the category so i'd have loved to if 10 15 years ago some of these brands had been called out for what they're doing and then we'll be making informed a better decisions today but we're, we're getting there now uh, things are catching yeah. up things are catching up people are, are seeing certain certain brands for what they are certain brands are still getting through the cracks <laughs> certain products <laughs> are still getting through the cracks but they'll be called out and be changing and it's some of them are policing themselves and do it themselves i've seen brands that, that were launched like two three years ago and and i was like oh you wait yeah. till someone calls you out on this. And then two, three years later, they've, had, they've increased their alcohol by volume. They've taken out sugars out of their products or they've taken out additives out of their products. They've yeah. relocated their brand to another country and things like that because uh, they've had to really check themselves. Or at least just putting it on the bottle, what it is. Or well, here's what's been done. Yep. Or even just putting it in the bottle. Right. Right. Amen to that. Because right. as I said, uh, there's nothing wrong if you want to add stuff to your to your rums and market it a certain way. But if it's all there on a label and people know exactly what they're paying for, then yeah, it's not a problem there. I drink, I drink Coca-Cola. A lot of people say, oh yeah, do you know what's in Coca-Cola? I know what's in Coca-Cola. It says it on the tin. <laughs> <laughs> but an ice cold Coca-Cola with a squeeze of lime and maybe a nice rum inside there is a freshen drink. Yep. <laughs> it's a refreshing Amen. drink. I know it's bad. I know it's bad for me, but at least I know what I'm doing. Right. I'm not, no one's, no one, they're not, Coke's not trying to tell me, oh, this is healthy. This is good for you. And it's, it's got all the, nat- all the sugars inside. They're all natural. It's actually come from the barrels that we actually aged our Coke in, which is where the color comes from, <laughs> that Coca-Cola. Uh, by the way, we charred the inside of those barrels here and uh, down, down in Atlanta when we're, when we're making that. I'm like, <laughs> so they're not doing all that. They just say, hey, drink it. Hey, let's yeah. you wanna drink it. Yeah, we're not even going to take sugar out. We're going to leave the sugar in there. If you want to yeah. drink it, go crazy, do that. And I'll continue drinking that with my favorite rum. <laughs> so with Equiano, I've heard you talk about this a little bit before, but I wanted to say for our listeners and see if you could talk a little bit. There was an yeah. intentionality also behind you doing it at 43% ABV. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the the intention was, again, the word premium gets branded around quite a lot, in, 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 in not only in rums, but in, in many, many different brands. But again, yeah. with the whole marketing thing, you want to have that little bit of an edge. Um, out there and most rums that you see especially in the states uh, are 40 are 40 40 percent 80 proof right. in the uk or sorry in europe they're 40 but legally they can be 37.5 yeah uh, abv in in, mm-hmm. in the european mm-hmm. union so what we want to do is actually go in straight away at entry level at a at an abv that first of all people will look at and say oh that's a little bit stronger than norm mm-hmm. we'll bump up um yeah yeah bump it up but we also then tried rums that a little bit stronger uh, as well. And at 45, at 47, again, 
it may be a little bit aggressive for the general consumer that we're trying to get into our right. rum. Uh, they might be scared off of that. It's a bit too strong for me. We want right. to try and we want to try and attract as many new rum drinkers as possible to Equiano. So forty three was uh, the one we we stuck with in regards to taste and flavor. On an international perspective, again as well, countries like South Africa, all spirits have to be forty three percent ABV and higher. So if you decide to do a forty percent mm. rum. And then you're gonna have to, yeah, you have to create another blend, create mm. a different blend. So at least again, we'll be accepted. We can sell our product to any country in the world, with regards to the minimum ABV. So again, that's in the back of the mind. Again, if you're thinking about creating a brand for the future, um, as such. But 43 was was a flavor profile that worked for us. It, it's funny because when I said to Richard I wanted 43, I was expecting him to have some resistance and kick back because Richard is now moving his entry level rum to so about 47. Mm-hmm. Um, as such but it's easy to do that when you own the distillery yeah. and it's your own brand right um as, uh, but i he understood why we want to go at 43 uh and the markets we're looking to go into so it, it was a, a no-brainer just that at 43 we still wanted to deliver as much flavor and taste as possible um for someone who's used to drinking 47 or even car strength but also for someone who's used to drinking 40 they'll say, oh, a little bit more premium because it's 43. So we wanted to basically tick as many mm-hmm. boxes and hit as many pallets as possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I was I was talking with several different small craft distillers here in the mm. U.S. yesterday. And, uh, you know, us as, you know, rum lovers, you know, we'll sit here and, and drink unaged, overproof rum. And like, it's it's great. Correct. We love it. Um, yeah. and, and they were like, a lot of people who come into our tasting rooms, you know, 40% is a lot mm. for them. Right. You know, they're not. Oh, um, yeah. We forget that as, as spirit drinkers. Right. Yeah. 40 is a lot for a lot of, for, for many people, most people, uh, especially when you're used to drinking cough shrimps. And uh, uh, one of the, one of the things I like to say, and Richard agrees with me on this is when it comes to something like Equiano, compa- you're going to get a comparisons. Richard's doing some, some great exceptional cast rums and they're coming out, well, like at 56, 57, 58, mm-hmm. 62 ABVs. And those rums, when you get down your glass, uh, we have two ways of drinking rum in Jamaica. We have uh, nursing it. Nursing it means you nose it, you sip it, you nose it again, you let it set down. If you're going to cigars, get a cigar, you take a little bit again and it develops in your glass because the ABV is cast strength for it's quite strong. The second way of drinking it is doctoring it. We say, you doctor it in Jamaica. <laughs> you just drink it. Uh, now, we want Equiano to be a doctor drink. We want you to doctor it. So you pour a nice, big, healthy glass, big, big, what's called whiskey glass, maybe an ice cube if you want, or whatever way. And you sip it, you sip it, you sip it, you chat with your friend, you sip a sip. It's only 43% alcohol when you're used to drinking cast strength and that type of stuff. You're still getting the aromas and flavors of great aging, great blending. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, oh, that's gone. Pour it bring it up one, bring it up one, bring it up one. <laughs> yep. And before you know it, the rum's gone. It's a session rum. You doctor yeah. it. So 43 helps you be able to doctor rums uh, where at cast rump, you're nursing it. I love, I love, I've never heard someone say session rum. I associate yeah. that with beer. A lot of times, you know, the, oh, right, okay. yeah, yeah, a lot of times mm. beers yeah. will be put out, you know, 5%, four and a half percent, and they'll call it a yes. session. Like it's a session yeah. beer. Um, yes, and and there are settings, you know, someone who who loves cast strength stuff, as someone who likes, you know, higher proof stuff. There are mm, settings yeah. though where it's like I do, I just want like a bigger size glass and just like sit back, relax, enjoy this for a while, Correct. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm there. I, I I love sitting down and enjoying, as I say, nursing a rum. All the different types are out there. Whether it's some of the Bellias, whether it's some of the Richard stuff, some of the some of the old stuff as well, mm-hmm. which complex flavors that evolve inside your glass. But there are times where it may be early evening and we're 
a bunch of friends, music blaring, and, and I just want to drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to sip, sip and savor. I want to drink. Yeah, you doctor it. Doctor you want to doctor it. it. Exactly. <laughs> right. You doctor it. You We're gonna look for that on the tagline, Equiano. You doctor it, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Any Jamaican man, you said so. Any Jamaican man or woman, they'll say, "Wow, yeah, John, you know, you you knocked to the rum." <laughs> That's right. I'm using that term from now on, by the way. Yeah, so man. I'm yeah, not Jamaican, but I, I like it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so shifting gears a little bit, another topic we wanted to cover is something that, that uh, the, the results were just announced recently, actually, yes, of the yes. first ever International Sugarcane Spirits Awards, um, yeah, yeah, which yeah. you were a co-founder of. And yeah. let, let people, just to, to give them kind of an overview, what were you hoping to kind of accomplish with these awards that other spirits competitions might not be? Okay, I mean, again, we've 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 competitions they always they are subjected to the judges that you actually have um, and also the time frame uh, when these competitions take place every spirit competition I've ever I've ever done have happened over one two possibly three days where you're all inside another country or a small venue you're partying you're enjoying yourself in the evening you come in the morning and you're not fully prepared to taste and sample 80 different products uh, sometimes in one day in some events I've heard it can be um, like pretty grueling. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very grueling. If, you, if you're not getting, if you're not getting palate fatigue after like the first six or seven products, uh, then you're doing it wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so, so imagine trying to do eighty uh, in one day. Wow. Um, so, so it, it's tough. And uh, um, so those competitions, and again, they're, they're there for a reason. Go back to that whole marketing thing. Brands want to win a trophy. They want a medal, medal, so they can tell the world we want a gold medal. We want this, um, and hopefully it will then get a consumer to buy into buy into their their products because of that trophy they've won. So there's a place for these competitions. Some people love them, some people hate them. When the guys in France, uh, which is it's mainly these, the French guys actually run the Paris Rum Fest, mm-hmm. they approached me and they said, listen, we want to put a competition together. I said, well, we don't actually do a competition in London for the UK Rum Fest. I know you guys in Paris do, um, but we just don't do it one for time. And two, again, again, it's a whole marketing thing and that type of stuff. There's some big ones in the world, International Wine and Spirits, International Spirit Challenge, mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco, let them do their thing and we don't need any more. Uh, and they said, yeah, but we should do one that specializes in sugarcane spirits, mm-hmm. uh, rums, cachaças, clarins, all of that type of stuff. And I'm like, well, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to be different from the others. First of all, this sitting down in one room over the course of one, two, three days, that can't work. Uh, the only way you can actually do that is the judges have to do it in their own time. You need to give, do something like give them a month. And they're like, Ooh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, what about if we sent samples to their house? And you give them 30 days to sample and taste the rums in their own setting. They can do a couple, uh, an hour at home when they're more relaxed. They can do it in the morning when their palates are really ready and receptive to taking these flavors and aromas. And they loved that idea. And that became the base of this competition. The next thing was then to find uh, credible judges. So a list of names was put up and there were certain names that we wanted to be part of these judges, uh, to be judges. They were approached. They all said, we love the idea of it, especially if they're doing it in their own home. They don't have to travel, which was great for this year. <laughs> the last right. year. And it's it's yeah. interesting because I think a lot of people probably looked at how the competition was done and was like, oh, like because of COVID, of COVID they did it right. this way. We did it before COVID, before the pandemic. Right, right, right. <laughs> we were having meetings in Paris. Uh, I remember I was at Whiskey Live, uh, which would have been October 2018. Because um, I remember I was coming back. I just did a, did a present with, um, um, with, was it 18? No, October 
Yeah, no, October, yeah, October 2018. I just did the presentation with Luca um, where he left me on stage and I wasn't even part of the presentation. <laughs> he, went out for, he went out to smoke a cigarette and just left me there with six Jamaican rums. Like, Ian, you take over. And I was sitting in the front as one of the guests on <laughs> the presentation. Luca just left me and said, oh, I'm going to smoke a cigarette. Ian, he he, knew, he knew those Jamaican rums were in good hands with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah that know, sounds like a Luca thing. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like he would um, do that. <laughs> definitely, definitely. When it comes to having a smoke, it doesn't matter where Luca is. Um, <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, we've been talking for a, a, about a year and a half, nearly two years, and then the pandemic thing made it even made it even a no brainer that right. the fact that it's going right. to happen remotely. We created a great piece of software where um, our partners have created a great piece of software where the judges upload their results, they upload their tasting notes as well, which is then used um, for the brands to use as part of their own marketing. Um, now they don't know who the judges are, as in who gave the particular note, mm-hmm. but they can use those 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 flavor profiles that mm-hmm. are used to actually to describe their product. So they're getting something from that as well. Um, the judges don't all taste the same products, so you'll get maybe sixty different oh. uh, sixty sixty different products, right? Um, in your little in your little bottles with a code, and that's it. Interesting. Um, you know, so it's completely category. blind. Right, completely blind. You get you. You know your category, so it might be uh, unaged agricoles. So then we know it's going to be from the French colonies. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fresh sugarcane juice, um, and we then taste those, upload our scores. We do things like: is it value for money? Um, what is what price would you sell this for, or would you uh, buy it for? And wow. then once once you press the once you once you put all that information, in, it tells you the actual price, and then you say, oh. Wow, that's value for money, and then you put—is it value for money? So we give some great feedback huh. to the actual brands uh, as well, and uh, and the level of judges are, are spirit and rum experts that we've identified throughout the world from all six continents. We haven't got anyone from Antarctica yet, but from we'll all, get there. Your, ne- your next yeah, we'll trip, there. your next yeah. trip, you can yeah. find someone. <laughs> I am going there. I've been there already. I'm going there next year. Um, but um, <laughs> I might yeah, have to I'm move probably. to Antarctica. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So yeah, so it's 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 quite comprehensive in that way. Um, it's only it's the first one. There are small flaws uh, inside it, like in any competition. But it's something we're working to. But we just want to try to create the most definitive uh, rum tasting competition out there. So um, so our first year, I think, was fairly successful. Some great brands won mm-hmm. won, won awards and one and one were were noted. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite strict as well so the scores went as high as what people were hoping and expecting because we didn't do this whole thing like to get a medal or to do this you had to retain like a 90 or a 95 and right. like, it was just right an aggregate an aggregate of scores right put into, into the software so it's done, more authentic much, right yeah, yeah yeah i'm pretty much done like a uh the judging at a, an olympic ice skating um or gymnastic <laughs> tournaments where yeah. it's like getting rid of the highest getting rid of the lowest using the mean aggregate mm. and then doing the the, the the division there so yeah so that was a that was the idea of that and that's yeah. first year uh looking to increase and grow upon that for next year uh maybe even get a few more judges in and see where it goes from there but yeah yeah that's one of the things we were going to ask actually so now that you've kind of completed this first year of the the awards is what were some of the things that you had learned and and how are you thinking about applying them for next year so you said a few more judges, but are there other uh, yeah, things? Uh, yeah, a few more judges. I mean, this, this is still fresh off, uh, off, off the table because I haven't actually sat down with the rest of the partners to actually have all the feedback. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah. so, and challenges, challenges as in myself in London, three of the partners in Paris, and I think one is also in, um, in Belgium uh, as well. So we need to sit down and discuss that. But yeah, fresh new judges uh, to add on to the judges as well. Then to start to market market uh, the results because mm. one of the things I said is is that 
when we talk about rum competitions, a lot of the competitions I see, the marketing of the of, of winning the medals normally uh, is is left to the actual companies themselves. You've won right. a medal, now you're going to tell the world about it. And I think it should be down to the competition, especially if you've paid money to enter the competition. I see. The competition itself should have a PR team to PR this in all walks life from trade compressed to general consumer uh, press so that every man of the everyday man and woman who's just looking to go to a supermarket in the states or in europe and somewhere like that if someone if a rum has won an award at the is at the iss um we should have marketed the local media or the the the, yeah. the wholesalers or the or, or, or the trade press inside the area so everyone knows that this has been deemed one of the best rums in the world by these sugarcane spirit experts out there. So again, it shouldn't be down to the brands to promote that. It should be down to the organization. So mm. that's one of the things we're looking to do and grow with that. Um, so we'll see. We'll see over the next couple of weeks. I've been approached by the PR companies to get some quotes. I haven't got back to them yet. But um, yeah, we've got a PR company here in the UK and another one in Paris yeah. as well. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that seems like a, a no brainer to do that yeah. just mm. because it's, you know, if, if you're getting in there and, and promoting those awards as well, it's not just good for the competition. It's good for the producers, which makes more producers Correct. want to come and get yeah. Invo- yeah, exactly. uh, involved, Correct. which yeah. then the more producers you have involved, I feel like the more prestige go. goes to the, so it's just, yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and it was it, it was great that the overall winner was from New Grove as well because I, I don't I don't think it was in my I was tasting that so somebody else was <laughs> yeah. that. So, good distillery. <laughs> what what by the way I meant to ask this earlier what what are the primary markets for New Grove because I know it's it's not something we see over here in the states. Yeah, great question, um, Mauritius. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 not as much of an export brand then. It's not much, not much. They, they've, they've been working on becoming an export brand in certain markets over the last uh, last seven eight years. So okay. they've been trying to get involved in international rum festivals. Again, from what we did back in two thousand eight, what you'll see is the Mauritian government um, allocating some money and some funds to get the rum companies to work together to create economy for Mauritius. So okay. they'll give them mm-hmm. they'll give them some money. They'll say, okay, we'll pay for uh we'll pay for a stand at uh, at at Berlin Bar Convent um, or UK Rumfest. And on that stand you'll have six or seven of you brands on there promoting Mauritian rum as a category. So you pay for yourself to go out there um but we'll pay for the stand try and then put their foot out there and then they open up doors by trying to find important distributors. So markets where you'll find um, Mauritian rums um, outside outside Mauritius and the African continent uh, would be Germany, a little bit Italy, Czech Republic, okay. uh, UK, of course, um, France, definitely France, because mm-hmm. the connection between uh, France and there, uh, and uh, and that's about it for the big countries. Um, you'll find a small, small, small amount of brands in 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 in, um, in, in other parts of, of the world, like in Asia. Yeah. Um, you'll see in Singapore and Hong Kong a, a couple of a couple of Mauritian realms have gone there because of the French connection. Singapore right. is a big. That's uh, not Singapore. Hong Kong has a big French French mm. um, expat there. So and some of them have gone to uh, Mauritius on holidays, seen some of the rums there, and demanded it or asked for it over there. So, but the big markets for them are UK, uh, Germany, Czech Republic. A touch in austria just because of germany but yeah they're, yeah. they're the big market and france of course france is the biggest uh, from Mauritius. got it and just one more thing i was interested in with the the iss awards yes. I, I think it's 
whenever I see awards, um, I'm always fascinated to look, especially ones that focus on rum or focus more on mm-hmm. rum. I'm always interested to see how they do the categories. Um, yes, because that is, I, that's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Like I, I know <laughs> you, you know, anyone who's into rum knows categories, whether it's just classifying rums as a, as a drinker at home or for bar yeah. purposes or for whatever, for yeah. awards, it's always a subject of debate. And I just, yeah. I looking at your categories, I was like, I, I can tell they spent a ton of time thinking about this and I'm sure a lot of, of, yeah. of energy went into it. So what was the process like of determining the categories and were there any choices that prompted pushback or, or criticism from producers or consumers and how did you manage all that? Yeah, hundred percent. I think, um, again, um, one of the things I've always been talking about and uh, talk a lot about with rums is the fact that rums should be initially categorized by the country of origin because we do that with whiskey or the yeah. place of origin could we do that with whiskey so why don't we do that with rum um how can we how can we compare a, a ray and nephew overproof 63 126 proof rum with right. a, with a bacardi carta blanca for mm-hmm. 80 proof puerto rican style aged for a minimum of one year in american oak where ray and nephew is unaged they are two different white doesn't rums make sense. and yeah doesn't make sense but they'll be classified in the same category yeah. in 99.9% of all tasting competitions. Yep. Uh, but you'd never do an Irish whiskey with a scotch in any competition out there in a whiskey right. competition, just like you wouldn't do uh, a bourbon uh, with a Japanese whiskey, right. uh, but they're both whiskeys. So that's, that was a challenge to try to find a way to, to put the rums. And again, it's still flawed because again, that'd be another thing we'd look to change to try to even get more of a defined definition, whether it's doing things like only pot stills in this category and, mm-hmm. um, and maybe traditional column stills in another and then multi-columned in another. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you have then the different regions making their interpretation of that. So rum is because it's made in so many different countries. It's always going to be a challenge to classify or categorize that in tasting competitions. But I think we also, one of the things we wanted to do um, was to highlight regions uh, as well, which is why we had like the Beckham rums and North American rums and then uh, parts of the Caribbean uh, right. as well, because there are similarities in regions to how you make your particular product. Um, and then within regions, you have your uh, semi regions, just yep. like in say, Scotland, you have Isla, Town, Space Side, making. Mm-hmm slightly different but similar right. uh, as such Highland, but then across the Lowland, sea yeah, Highland, Town, yeah. Right. yeah gotcha. exactly yeah but then over across the sea which is only a couple of miles away down in Ireland they're doing something completely different but yeah, similar right. Uh, right as well to create their Irish whiskies so it's always going to be a challenge so we did go back and forth um and then the the, the, the elephant in the room is sugar um right I know you 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 have buy. sweetened rums in some of the correct, category and I was correct. I was thinking I was like how many different names did they write down like what's the brainstorm <laughs> before they got to that like, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> There was actually a couple, a couple of other. Uh, there was a few more uh, sweetened rum categories, and we had really? to chop it all down. I think it's just one now because European, European, uh, the new European law, which actually comes into play in May this year, has to be adhered to by May. Mm-hmm. Dictates that you can actually have twenty grams of sugar per liter added to it. Now, personally, I think mm. that's too high yeah. um, for rum. I know in cognac you're allowed sixteen, but twenty grams a liter you're allowed to add it to rum. So some some companies would say, well. If we've got 19 inside there, we are legally a rum. So why can't we be pit against something that only has or has zero uh, inside it? Again, 19 grams per liter is a lot when we're talking about flavor and finish and that type of stuff. Now, so we did have sweetened rums to put that to, to put that in perspective. If we're talking about clarity, 
and you are confident in your product and you're confident that the fact that you sweeten your rum because that's part of your DNA or it's part of your heritage mm-hmm. or tradition and things like that, then you should be proud of that. And if you are a sweetened rum, which you clearly are, then you should be proud of that and enter your competition, you enter your rum accordingly. It's when you decide and with the last competition, you really want to do this, mm. enter your product that has been sweetened and say it's all natural because you'll get called out big time. Because Did you have some- anyone try to do that? Um, not that I know of. I don't okay. think anyone. Was, I think they saw the list of the people that were involved, and they said, "No, <laughs> yeah, we can't try. We can't try these folks." Yeah, because yeah. <laughs> we were. We would, We also offer a service where we can. We will test out your product for you um, in in labs in the labs. That's funny. Actually. I have the same service here. Anybody who's uh, <laughs> wanting to, you know, test their products out, just I'll give you the go. address. You're good to go. Yeah, yeah, send, send it to you. <laughs> this is a very fancy, cutting edge machine called uh, the, <laughs> ma- the mouth. I think that's it. The mouth. The the the, 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 yeah. J, the, the JG mouth. The JG. What's the JG uh, mouth. You got it, I, Ian. You method. you actually mentioned something I think is really important, which is you're in providing a sweetened rum category. You're providing a path or a lane for those cultures or heritage rums to compete in. Correct. Whereas before, they really didn't have a choice where they would either have to say, you know, okay, we're going to go in under another category, but hope yeah. that it's, you know, somehow competitive or that it's missed or how it's viewed is 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 received well. But by yeah. providing that category now, you're actually giving a place for it. And that means the other categories don't have to worry about that. Correct, because um, and, and for me, uh, I try I try to see myself as a, as a diplomatic ambassador uh, for rum. <laughs> um, I, I enjoy a lot of rums, but there's a lot of rums I don't enjoy and I don't try to drink, and I don't talk about them. I don't talk about them unless they're really bad, and I don't mean bad as in taste, as in bad as in your ethics, um, uh, the, yeah. the lack of clarity of your product. I will call you out. I will use I abuse my power in that respect and call you out because I don't like your name. I think it's disrespectful. Right. I don't like the way you create your products. I don't know where you treat your staff um, mm. from from cane from cane to cup or from grass to glass. Um, I will I will stand up. I will stand up against you in that in that respect. But if you're just a bad tasting product, I'm just like just not going to drink you. I'm just not going to talk about you. And but I never. Yes, I am a champion for purity in rum, but I'm also a champion for rum experiences. And some people's rum experiences is a beautiful tasting liquid that's been aged and has been rounded off. The flavor's been rounded off with a bit of sweetener, either sugar or wine or whatever. Mm -hmm. And who am I to say to someone who's been doing it for 50, 60, 70 years that what they're doing is wrong, especially when it's in their country? No, that's why I want to define your rum as your style of rum. Because if I go to some, someone comes to me and they said, Ian, I've got this beautiful tasting Guyanese rum uh, for you to try. I know there's one distillery in Guyana. Mm-hmm. I know a majority of their rum that comes out has been sweetened mm-hmm. uh, as in, in some yeah. way or another. But I'm first of all making references to some of the rums I've tried that I've enjoyed, like Eldorado 15. Love Eldorado 15. You know, I know there's like 42 grams of sugar inside there. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, as such. So for me, it's slightly different. I will drink that and sip it and enjoy it. And years ago, when I was trying to create my own different definitions of rums, I used to call rums like El Dorado, like Diplomatico Reserva Exclusiva, um, dessert mm-hmm. rums. I called yeah. dessert rums yeah. because at the end of a meal, if I was offering it to my customer 
to create a rum experience, I'd say, listen, do you want a nice sweet rum to to sip at the end of your meal? Oh yeah, because they were port drinkers right, or whatever. Right, right. I'll mm-hmm. give them that. And they're like, oh man, this is mad. How does it taste so sweet? Oh yeah, well this one here was uh, they age their sugars and blend it back in. This one here, they add some sweeter wines and blend that in there, and so that's how they create that particular flavor. Just in case you're comparing it with something that hasn't got anything like an Appleton, like a Jamaica rum that doesn't have that is what I see is natural sweetness. So I'd give them the information. And it's for them to make an informed, to make that informed opinion, whether they like it or not. But I'm not going to say to them, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You should be making it the Jamaican way. Right. Because Jamaica makes their rum different from right. Cuba, which makes their rum different from Puerto Rico, which right. makes it different from Barbados, different from St. Lucia. Um, so as long as we can part, get that difference across to people, and it's not going to be easy, but it's not impossible. Right. And, and if anyone who says, um, well, that's too much work, find 100 whiskey drinkers put them in a room and then say to them explain to me what single malt scotch whiskey means and more than half of them will not be able to tell you or or it means quality so they won't even know the rules of scotland yeah they'll just know it means quality ask them what it takes to be uh, a kentucky bourbon they're like uh oh kentucky oh what what else what else Yeah, yeah. They won't no no, they won't know about right. the corn ratio, they won't know about if it's a rye or a rye rate. They just know it means yeah. quality because there are rules and regulations in that particular area and they're consistent drinking that. And that's how I want people to look at when they look at rum. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Jamaica rum. Um <laughs> Jamaica? Yeah, what else? Uh well, the ones I like are really funky and it's Trelawney, and so it's that's Handon, it's Long Pond. And I'm yeah, great, cool. That's your Jamaican rum. But if I go to Croatia, and I'm using Croatia for an example because I saw this out there. Um, and I see a bottle of Jamaica rum that has got loads of sugar added to it, and you drink that, and it's a rum liqueur, yeah. then that's not Jamaica right. rum. That's a that's a product that's used and abusing the word Jamaica and there with sugar added to that. And I want the customer to know that when they drink that, that's not Jamaica right. rum. Yeah. That that rum over there is. So so that's where it needs to go. And that's what, what we're looking to do when we when we define and create different styles, uh, well, de- create terminologies for different yeah. styles according to where the rum is yeah. made. The more GIs, the more appellations, the more PDOs connected to mm-hmm. rum that is appreciated and understood by learned customers. Because as I said at the start, not everyone's mm-hmm. going to know, but there's enough people to learn and understand and, and notice that they pass that down to the people they know the better it is for the rum yeah, industry. I, I think that's a great point with, with whiskey and how it's not necessarily that whiskey connoisseurs know all the rules, but they at least mm. have knowledge that there are frameworks in place that are trusted right. and that they know Correct. countries are respecting these rules for each other and enforcing them, not not universally, but in a way that's Correct. more reliable yeah, yeah. with rum. And I think that's that's yeah. the big thing is going to be yeah. once some of the, more of these frameworks are established, agreed upon, then it's getting different countries yeah. to, to respect each other's rules. Um, just I, oh, I, I yeah, think 100%. right now here in the U.S., like the like Kashasa is maybe the only cane spirit that is, <laughs> you know, re, that yeah, is distinguished yeah. in the TTB regulations. So, right. um, yeah. yeah, it's because yeah. if, you, if you look at. If you look at any of the other spirits, um, you look at whiskey and you look at the definitions of what the TTB defines as whiskey. Long. It's it's that Run long. This long, and then each of them, yeah, and each of them are like uh, definition of Scotch yeah. whiskey, see Scotland. Definition of uh, uh, of of cognac, see yep. France or see mm. the cognac region. They will refer to uh, Irish whiskey. They refer to the place of origin where it was. Rum, it's like yeah, cane spirit, eighty six percent. It's just that 
That's it, molasses. In fact, it just says molasses because then you have a couple of companies, I know from Denver, that try to do sugar beet molasses or try to use sorghum right, molasses yeah. uh, to make their products because they thought they could get away with it because the, the, the definitions of what the raw material for rum was or defined by the TCB um, as a straightforward yeah. to actually say sugar cane molasses. Yeah. So yeah, it's rum is truly disrespected the, the, by a the lot exact of word that was coming to mind for me as well it's yeah. just disrespectful it's, yeah it's just disrespected because they're coming from it comes from tropical mm. developing yeah. areas trade agreements an important part in the eu um yes scotch whiskey is protected because scotland's a powerful country within the well not the economic european union now because we've got Brexit, <laughs> but scotland is a powerful powerful what's called a uh, nation when it comes to the economy so scotch whiskey is protected irish whiskey is protected <clears throat> and when we're trading with our partners um across the seas american whiskey is protected in in the eu because they have agreements to protect scotch yep. whiskey and irish whiskey right. and french cognac and things like that but with poor little tiny barbados um or poor little tiny Jamaica, uh, or poor little tiny Trinidad or St. Lucia, they don't, they're not afforded that luxury of having that might to actually go to come to the European Union and say, excuse me, uh, that product over there that says Jamaica is not actually from Jamaica, has never even seen right. Jamaica in its life. Uh, that product that says Barbados in here, actually, it, it was made in Barbados, but that was like 20 years ago. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Now they've added stuff to it and it's been aging in, in, Kathmandu for 20 years and they're still using Barbados on there. We want to protect our, our geographical, uh, our, our, our geography. We want to have that to, to basically secure our future for our products. And Europe will say, well, what's um, in it for us? Right. Exactly. Europe wants to know what's in it for us. And, and you mentioned Cachaca because that's pretty much how yep. Cachaca got its established, how it was established in the American whiskey was threatened in yep. Brazil and they drink a lot of American mm. whiskey. And American whiskey companies are like, ooh, you're not messing with our American yep. whiskey. Give them their classification. Let's make a trade. Let's Cachaca make a trade. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make a trade. Let's make a trade. And I, I know some people that are on that on that trade agreement on that ah, board. Interesting. Yeah. So Ian, shifting a little bit to your the breadth of all of your experience and all the things we've already talked about and your uh, diplomatic global rum ambassador mindset, <laughs> um, we wanted to ask uh, which rum distillery isn't receiving enough credit or attention right now for the great rum that they're making. Um, credit from who? From the general public, yes, or just from the a, general from general public? Like so, for us, <laughs> or or or, may, or maybe even just a place that you think should be getting a little more shine for what they're making. Yeah. yeah. Um, if we're talking about in the Caribbean, I, I was I was going to cheekily say Foursquare because uh, <laughs> <laughs> because they should be a lot bigger than what they are. They, they get it there, the Pappy Van Winkle. The, no, um, I would say, I mean, from uh, from the island dear to my heart, Jamaica, of course. I think Hamden. Um, some of the liquid that's now coming in, some of the things they're doing now yeah. uh, is, is going to be legendary. And they've had a bad rap because it was, they were just a, a company that was just making bulk liquid just to sell um, a certain style of spirit that, that encompasses what people believe Jamaica to be. And I have to give credit to, to, um, to Luca Vigale because his foresight in, in, in the rum ministry, that's why I call him the godfather of rum, um, mm-hmm. to do something and work with, uh, distilleries like Hamden to create what I see as one of the best tasting rums on the planet, and that's his um, the Hamden Estate rum that, he, that he's, I, that he's I put love out. That rum, it I is love it's so good. That, that is yeah. beautiful, beautiful, um, and a good, a good what's called ninety two proof yeah. as well. Because the seventy the seventy five one is is, is powerful, uh, but I drink that in a different way. But it just it's just not, and that's the thing. It's when people smell and taste that, 
they say, oh, that's Jamaica funk, but that's not, not even close to some of the funky stuff that I see, say, people in Europe drinking right. LROKs. Okay, straight up. Yeah. 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 That is like straight out funky. This is mild in comparison, yeah, right. but still a lot funkier than say an Appleton um, or even some of the worthy parks uh, and definitely the Monibus uh, that are out there. So, but yeah, beautiful tasting rum. So I think uh, distilleries like Hamden, uh, Worthy Park, I mentioned them as yeah. well. One of the rums that I always say is probably one of the most underrated rums and distilleries about to do some great stuff is the English Harbour distillery. Ah. Antigua, in, uh, Antigua. Mm. Antigua, yeah, um, and they've just got a little tiny pot still as well. So I'm interested to try some of their new stuff they're putting out. But I think I've always, I've always believed uh, their rums are underrated, mm. underrated, but more importantly, underrepresented. Right. Um, yeah, I think they, they could be, they could be doing some really good, good numbers, big numbers if uh, they work with the right partners around the world to get more. Yeah, people to I, try I, I don't see English. Har- I mean, Nashville's not exactly a booming rum market, but uh, I, I def- <laughs> I've never yeah. seen any English Harbor here. Yeah, and it's it's such a shame. Some great stuff. Um, uh, Saint Lucia Distillers as yeah. well. They've got they they have the ability um, to make an array of amazing. It was rums. the exact I word mean, we used like, when we talked to them? They have yeah. an array yeah. of rums. They do. They do. Uh, they got some great stills over there. Great blenders. Uh, great distillers. Uh, oh, a, a great company behind yeah. them as well. A good French mm-hmm. company. Um, but yeah, so uh, Saint Lucia distillers. Uh, good stuff. And if we're talking about thinking of French companies, I just think um, personally, some of the rums coming out of Guadeloupe mm, yeah. um, again uh, and Martinique, but definitely Guadeloupe uh, underrated. Uh, a lot of potential. Yeah. Uh, Remy can. Damazo do what they do, and uh, uh, then you've got a Marie Galant, you've got oh, Pierre Labat, yeah, Labat you've got Pierre, you've got Pierre yes. as well. Yeah. This and and I and I and I acquired my taste for agricole yeah. rums um, because I was growing up drinking Jamaican rums, so it's something you acquire. But when you get a beautifully tasted young rum with all that fresh sugar cane juice and those nuances, and then you get some of the mm-hmm. age stuff where it just different complexity say yeah. say from a molasses based rum it's just a different rum experience mm-hmm. and a great rum experience and that's what i like about rums it everyone has a real if you drink spirits there is a rum experience for you whether it's sweetened whether it's unsweetened whether it's an agricole whether it's sugarcane juice whether it's molasses uh whether it's puerto rican because i love i love Thank what you. don q are doing yep. uh some of the stuff there just easy light drinking uh just Agreed. absolutely amazing and that's a, that's epitome of, of puerto rican rum i was fortunate uh, unfortunately because you guys are the states i tried a new cuban rum i know um <sighs> yesterday and they called emiente uh seven-year-old cuban style and with cuban stock because cuba has some of the strictest rules in making rum mm-hmm. they actually have yeah. rules to interpret mm-hmm. the rules and it's all made by, and all these rules are enforced and run by women oh, out wow. there as well. I was in the laboratory. Yeah, I was in the laboratory with them a year and a half ago in Cuba, and they analyze. They actually have special lights to make sure it's uh, special glassware wow. to analyze all the rums. And when they make their rums out there, they create what they call bases. So they'll distill aguardiente, right. so heavier rums from a single column still, redistillado, so rums have been redistilled, yeah. and they blend those together. Um, or even age them separately, yeah. depending on who's making their products. And they age them separately, uh, blend them to create a profile, and that becomes a base. And then you age that base for the minute amount of years you want to create your rum. Yeah. So uh, so you might have a rum that has four bases, but it might be a component. The, the four bases might be a component of like 15 different rums. And you might have rums in those bases that have been aged up to 
four, five, six, seven years. Some might have fresh aguardiente and they're all fresh. Right. Lado, it's really complex. They create different mixes. Yeah. Yeah. Very complex. But this rum was so easy to drink, light, <laughs> subtle. Uh, you can see years you minimum. can see the, the look yeah. on John's it, face it, right now. It, just just it, 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 it we, we got to open up the, the Cuba relationship it, again. Yeah, I mean, it oh, kills oh. me. My, my wife's 100% Cuban, and but, you know, nice, born and raised nice. in Miami here. And it, it nice. kills me because, you know, I, she has really no connection to that Cuban rum heritage wow. because wow. Yeah. we don't get it here. And for, for the majority yeah, of our okay. lifetimes, we really can't. I mean, there's there was a few years there, and so I've been finagled, yeah. got a little bit. Uh, but mm. uh, it, it should just here in Miami. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it should here in Miami be such a bigger thing in that 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 relationship <laughs> between Cuba. I mean, we're so close, and yet we're so yeah, far. I know. So, I know, all right, that's my rant uh, over. Well, but <laughs> that's a yeah. rant over. Well, it got a little bit. It got a little bit more distant uh, four years. Four yeah. years ago, uh, in the last yeah, four years, it was again. It was trending closer. up, and then yeah. So we'll see what happens. Let's hope we're closer. we're moving back in the right I, direction with it. Yeah, I, I flew I flew to Cuba from Miami like about five years ago. I was. Like I just did it just because I'm like, hey, I can fly to wait, Cuba. Wait, wait, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. I, yeah, I, I, I did that. They charged me a fortune uh, at the airport <laughs> just to get the visa. But hey, that was American Airlines. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, sometimes great Cuban rums and a, a couple of new joint ventures as well with Cuban governments and the big companies. So Diageo have a joint venture now, so they'll be releasing and doing some great Santiago de Cuba. Uh, this. New joint venture with Moe Hennessy with Emiente. Mm-hmm. Then you have, of course, Puerto Rico with Havana yeah, Club. Right. Um, another company, Ex Diageo employees doing some stuff. So they have a rum called La Progressiva, which was based on a rum, <clears throat> which was the first premium rum that was given to dignitaries that came to Cuba in the early 60s. Oh, um, wow. and that was called Ron Vigier. Uh, Virgia, which is named after Hermes Hemingway's house. So these guys have like wow. revamped up the Virgia. You can still get Virgia in, in Cuba, uh, but for the international market, they call it Progressiva. And there's a 13 and, the, and I think a 20, but beautiful Very tasting, cool. light, medium bodied, all dry uh, finish, which I love about Cuban rums is dry finish because then you just want another taste. And then <laughs> so you get initial sweetness and then dried off uh, mm. as well because they don't add sugar to their product, um, to their right. rums. But um, yeah, again, another style of rum um, that I love to have sitting by Jamaica, Barbados, St. Lucia, Martinique, uh, as such, just to show the, the variants and the different styles that, are, that rums can offer as a category. This, this is what I love about rum, by the way, where we can ask, like, you know, what's what's kind of a, a rum that deserves a little more attention right now? And it's like, oh, sorry, it's yeah, 15 names going all over the place. No, no, that, I love that. That's what's so great about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, just, that's just the ones in the Americas. It's all about Asia. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, Mauritius have got Chamorel, which is absolutely beautiful on, on the island of Mauritius. And uh-huh. this New Grove stuff as well, the New Grove yeah. that just won the main award beautiful stuff and then out in other parts of asia you've got small little distilleries in phuket uh mm-hmm. uh chalon bay uh in phuket that's doing some great rums in australia Ooh, some john, john, john and i just tried a a blend from thailand recently and okay. it's it surprised the heck out of us oh, like, wow it's um, quite good yeah yeah and yeah. uh, it, it it was a blend from Sheer. They couldn't yes, tell us. Yeah, they couldn't. Yeah. They couldn't tell they us they what distillery it was from. Yeah, um, but I was just they like, keep their secrets. I, I never would have guessed it was uh, a Thailand rum. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's there's loads of sugarcane out there, and mm-hmm. um, and one of the reasons why rum is, uh, is struggled in in Asia is because as a local, if you're drinking sugarcane spirits, it's going to be cheap. It's going to be very cheap. 
maybe some flavoring in there so you don't associate rum with quality you want to you want to show that you've arrived you drink uh, an imported whiskey that you're not going to drink sugarcane spirits but because rum is growing around the world you're seeing some of these sugarcane uh the companies that use sugarcane and make sugarcane say well why don't we make our own version of that out there and let's see if we can make a little bit of money uh, on that so you're going to start to see a lot more quality uh sugarcane distillates that are called that will now be called rum because they weren't called rum before um on the international market from areas where you wouldn't expect a rum culture let alone rum brands coming from there yeah i speaking like on the the whole global nature of everything i think most rum lovers don't necessarily get the chance to experience so many other parts of the world so often. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we do, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a short trip or something. Yeah. Maybe you're attending yeah. a festival or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've kind of traveled the world on behalf of rum, engaging with different regions, working mm. with different regions and stuff like Living that. Living the dream. Living, Living the dream. dream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How would you kind of characterize some like the main differences between some of the rum markets, whether it's U.S. versus EU, mm. Asian market? Or what are like the biggest differences to you in terms of how rum is perceived around the world? Yeah. Well, a little bit is uh, a little bit of the answer to that is the previous answer in regards to some some areas just not respecting or being a little bit complacent of the fact that this noble spirit or this potential noble spirit is made from the most common raw material mm-hmm. um, spirit raw material in your region so if sugar cane is sugar cane is in abundance it means it's going to be used for pretty much every single alcohol out there you're making brandy you make a sugar cane you're making gin you make a sugar cane you're making rum well what's rum that's what they drink in a cup. Yeah, we'll make it for sugar cane. Make it whiskey for sugar cane. So you go to any of the lot of regions, especially in places like Asia, um, they're making lots of local spirits from sugar cane. The world's biggest gin, 35 million cases, is made from sugar cane, a product called San Miguel Ginebra uh, in the Philippines. And wow. the Philippines has a lot of sugar cane. In fact, yeah. their biggest selling brandy is made from sugar cane. Uh, yeah. About 12 million. They're, they're, uh, so sugar biggest cane. Biggest selling rum in the world. Yeah, there you go. Tandaway. Yeah, Tandaway. Yeah, yeah, Tandaway. Yeah. So, so they look at sugarcane spirits or sugarcane distillates as local and in, and not as qu- not quality. Uh, as right. So that's always going to be a challenge for the perception of quality runs being sold in those areas. Yeah. And we had a bit of that, and still to a little bit to an extent, but not as much. But we still have a bit of that in the Caribbean, where we we disrespected our own our own local rums when we compare them to scotch whiskies or yep, stuff yeah. imported as such it's only now we're looking at what other people are saying these guys are drinking our rum and they're saying it's better than yeah. the whiskey that we normally drink why right. is that that's our rum so it's coming back it's coming back so the perception- but you're saying that's because of availability or is it like familiarity breeds familiarity, contempt type correct, of thing correct familiarity breeds contempt that's all it is not availability because huh. it was available but why would you right. sell? Why would you if if your biggest market, uh, your big your biggest drinker drinks a white rum, unaged, sixty three percent alcohol by volume, twelve million twelve billion bottles a year? Uh, yeah. Why would you get that same rum and stick it in a barrel and let it wait for ten years and the duppies or the angels taking their share yeah. and let it get and then sell it to those same people? You could have sold that rum ten times over as an mm. unaged rum. Now, if some of that rum was going abroad in smaller quantities to a, an audience that was used to drinking scotch whiskies or brandies and things like that, then yeah, that's where you make your money. So a lot of these rums were exported. These age rums were exported. And that's where the, that's where the perceived quality came from abroad where locals mm. are drinking young, white, strong cane spirits uh, as such. So, and then when you grew up drinking that, you're like, you know what? I'm tired of rum. I grew up drinking that for many years. My granddad drank that. My dad drank that. I want to drink something else. I'm drinking vodka. Ah! 
I'm going to drink Scotch whiskey. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to drink brandy. Uh, so, so yeah. So familiarity, hundred percent. Breeze contempt. So hmm. it's about perception in the area. Asia perception of rum, imported rums, um, is not as high as what it could be, as good as what it could be. But there's a lot of potential there in the Africa continent. Again, that familiarity breeds content. A lot of sugar cane growing there, but brandy, whiskey are just king. Caribbean now starting to respect their own products. Um, and we'll drink loads of local rums as well as now imported rums and some of the premium stuff as well. And in Europe, yeah. we've never had much sugar cane grown in Europe. We drink all the good stuff that comes over here and we know about it first. Uh, and the same as in North America. Um, we'd love to see North America get back to how it was maybe 300 years ago where everyone was drinking like 50 gallons of rum per person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> George Washington. We're, trying, yeah. to do, we're yeah. trying to do our part one podcast at a time. I, I, I see. We are. <laughs> yeah, the potential of America is North America is great because you guys are drinking that substitute to rum which is whiskey. <laughs> mm. um, so we get back to that age, spirit, flavor, beautiful complexity um, that is appreciated and get that intrinsic value back to where it should be. Then, yeah, uh, North America has a lot of potential when it comes to premium rubs. Definitely yeah. premium rubs. Well, I, I talk yeah. to at least one one bourbon or whiskey drinker a week uh, yeah. that, that I'm, you know, slowly <laughs> winning over to rum. So. I can imagine, yeah, especially down in Tennessee. It's uh, like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's, bourbon, yeah. it's bourbon country, Tennessee whiskey country. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's 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 a smooth transition for a lot of people. I mean, oh, John, John John got into rum coming from bourbon, um, yeah. and and was attracted to it because bourbon was getting so insane yeah. in terms of. I, yep. And I did the other way. I got into really appreciating bourbons uh, through rum, yeah. um, uh-huh. and, mm-hmm. and 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 of course Scotch whiskey as well. I appreciate Scotch whiskey through rum. So hundred percent. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's very easy to make that transition. It's just that like I'll never drink as much whiskey as rum. Same, same. Uh, but I appreciate it. I can appreciate I it and enjoy it. Uh, right. Yeah. Exactly. But, but yeah. rum is is got the top spot for life. Yeah. So, Ian, most people think of you and your name now as uh, synonymous with rum, which I think is obviously a testament to the job that you've done over the years, building your reputation (laughs) and recognition. But I I don't think too many people uh, know that you also had a background in professional basketball. You've been a recording artist and music. Um, And I know that that's dubious the music part. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think so. I mean, we've we've seen some videos. There's a YouTube video. So, yep. There's a YouTube video out there. We've seen it. Um, <laughs> so I, one of the questions that we were thinking to ask was, I, I know that there's a tendency for people sometimes to begin to see people who they associate with a, a particular thing as as sort of just that hmm. one thing. So like sometimes people might see yeah. you as that rum just guy. Just the rum guy. Yeah. Yeah, and it, yeah, have yeah, yeah. have you ever thought about that in that way? And and does that how does that affect you? And and have you thought about that in a way of saying like, uh, well, no, I'm I'm more than that. Or are you good with being that rum guy? Uh, I'm 100 percent good at being just that rum guy. <laughs> um, I've I've gone through life, um, especially in my uh, my early adult career, um, of just appreciating what I have. Uh, in front of me trying to do the best I can do I can be for any anything I put my mind to I try to do the best I can and I've been very very fortunate to have had wore quite a few hats um as as you said um I love playing basketball uh, so I played for my country um uh, just that the professional basketball scene in the UK wasn't enough to to, to live to sustain a a, a living uh, because when I was professional right? in the states even as an Correct. MVP 100, yeah see 
Correct. Yeah, MVP in all star game. I came across a quote that was just like amazing to me about your time, you know, playing basketball professionally, yeah. and what you just said about wanting to be yeah. the best at, at everything. And then, uh, I mean, you talked about you would pay to play because you believed in your ability um, yeah. that you Correct. would maximize the yeah. opportunity. Yeah. So and I thought you, that was that was inspiring. And so, so when you're doing that, you're doing it just for the love. But it, but when you're looking at your future, you say, well, I'm giving up all this time. Because while I was playing professional basketball, I was still bartending yeah. uh, as well. Wow. And I enjoyed wow. the bartending and having fun. I was also doing my music career uh, at the mm. same time, which was doing, doing a gig here, doing a gig here. So I was doing all of those things, just having fun. Um, whatever came my way, I just said, I'll do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, but it got to a stage where why am I paying for this when these two other careers or two other jobs are actually paying me yeah. for doing mm-hmm. that so i should mm-hmm. be just playing basketball just for fun not really dedicating uh, all that time to training and being right. part of the team and right. and and driving his round trips just to just to train would have been like 40 miles uh for a round trip so i just so i gave it up i, I gave up the basketball just did it as a just for recreational purposes just to keep in shape and then focused on the real the real career which was cocktails rum bartending and a little bit of the music um but as i said if when i when i want when i when i put my mind to something i try to do it try to give it 100 percent, even higher than that um and try to do it to the best of my abilities but one thing i realized you do need to be successful is hunger and i knew that with after certain things happen with basketball, I, I lost that hunger, just like I lost the hunger mm-hmm. for the music uh, career. Yep. Um, yep. I've never lost the hunger for cocktails and rum. I'm still hungry. Well, that's to evident learn. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, still, still hungry, still hungry, and still thirsty. <laughs> yeah, and and another thing that I've noticed in in the few times we uh, got to see you in person at Miami Rum Congress last year, hoping that we can do that again at some point in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Y- you have often referred to yourself as an edutainer. Uh, yes, which is, right. is a great way to explain, I think, what you do and what you offer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I guess I was wondering, d- does the blend of how much education versus entertainer you are change greatly with what the event is? Or is there sort so of the like a static scale. blend? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah is it close to a 50-50 yeah. split? How do you view that? It's always, yeah, 100%. It's always a sliding scale. You always have to read your audience and read the event and the situation you're in because there are certain types of jokes or certain types of ways of presenting that may work in, in one field and, and one audience, one arena, and won't work in others. So, yeah, you have to tailor make it uh, to the audience. So it's a bit of research on who the audience is, where you are, uh, and the actual event. So it's sliding. Sometimes I, I could just be a stand-up, a stand-up comedian. Some of my favorite entertainers and presenters are all stand-up comedians, and I'll I'll use some of their material and adapt it to my own, or as well as bring in my own life stories and and give that presentation. And I walk off stage, and I've educated everyone there about the whole rum industry without them even knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are, what are, exactly. What can you name one or two of your favorite comedians that you've kind of like you've taken some oh, inspiration from? Um, I suppose it came up quite recently in a, in a survey. So Eddie Murphy. Um, uh, yeah. I love Eddie Murphy. I nearly, I nearly died watching one of his um, shows uh, when I was younger. I was watching Delirious and I nearly Delirious, died because yeah. I nearly choked on a chicken bone um, <laughs> at a barbecue uh, on an American airbase in, uh, in Alconbury in Oxfordshire in the UK. My mum used wow. to date an American, uh, American soldier, so a GI. Oh. Um, so I, I was watching the show. I was laughing so hard and 
Ch- choking on this dry chicken, I had to pat me on my back to cough out. <laughs> Eddie nearly killed me because it was. I'm so- glad that you survived. Yeah, oh, yeah. Rum, is, rum is glad that you survived. <laughs> Much but- better for it. Delirious. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I love yeah Richard Pryor, um, some of the old yeah. school guys. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Um, today uh, we've got Dave Chappelle as well. Um, so yeah, I love I love clever comedians that really challenge challenge the narrative mm-hmm. uh challenge people and also yeah. have lots of layered jokes that will go over a lot of people's head that you're like oh wow that's quite funny so clever little jokes so i love those mm-hmm. love that type of comedy and and i love i love laughing at myself uh, i think it's important that you have to laugh at yourself <laughs> as as a comedian as a presenter um be humble in that respect because again people won't remember as much about what you say but they'll 100 percent remember how you made them feel and right. when I do a presentation about rum, I want people to walk away. So yeah, that guy was funny. He was great. Uh, I love the way you talked about Solera uh, barrel aging and he used people as barrels and there's lots of sexual connotations and that. <laughs> and then you're like, really? And then you say, say to him, so can you tell me how our Solera system works? Yeah, yeah. You just get one barrel here and you empty <laughs> out some of your juice into one and then you empty out another juice into another. And I'm like, there you go. You remember You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bingo. I didn't want to go technical. If I'm going technical, you'd be like way over my head, but. Yeah, right. Yeah, you make it much. You make it applicable as long as you're getting your point across. So for me, it's um, using entertainment as a way of educating people. Hence, edutainment. Um, well, we we have a, a, a little bit of edutainment we try to do uh, at the Ooh. at the end of every episode to okay. give, give people opportunity to get to know our guests on maybe a little kind of fun level. Um, nice. it, we we call it the rapid fire round. So it's just a okay, series cool. of rapid fire questions. Yeah. John always comes up with these in advance. Sometimes <laughs> sometimes I look at them, sometimes I don't. So yeah. they're left to his imagination. Oh, no. um, oh, I know no. you you guys are both dads, so you know yes. you're familiar with the idea of dad jokes. That's yeah. right. Yeah, John yeah. is great with the dad jokes. So basically, what we do is we put sixty seconds on the clock, and then we try to get through as many questions as possible. It's All optional. Right. We we okay. position this as an optional segment. Everyone always does it, um, but so if you're up for the challenge, um, I'm up for the I'm up for the challenge. I'm up for the challenge. Oh God! Just talking about Richard Pryor and Eddie Murphy now before doing this is like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is going to be the worst ever. All right, we're going to do it anyway, though. Oh, we're going to run through. I hope this is over twenty All right. ones. <laughs> All right, I've got sixty seconds on the clock and go. All right, neat or on the rocks? Neat. All right, column pot or blend? Blend. Molasses, cane juice, or cane syrup? Are you talking about on our body? No, molasses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have literally never seen you without a hat on. Be honest. How many hats do you own now? I have, if you're talking about my fedoras and Panama type hats, I have 19. I counted them like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> what country in the world makes the best rum? Oh... I would like to say Jamaica. No, uh, but, I figured that but, was but, coming. But the, the country I'm in. Oh, <laughs> oh. Uh, the country you're in. That's a better answer. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm gonna borrow that. Are you willing to say which Jamaican rum is your current favorite? Oh, Ray and Effie Overproof. First rum I drunk, but the last rum I ever drank. <laughs> Recognizing the shared acronym, the International Space Station is asked to be the host location for the next ISS Rum Awards presentation. <laughs> you you've drunk rum in Antarctica. Is yeah. space next? Oh, 100%. Hey, did you know that what's going deep space, the flavor of deep space is raspberry and rum? That's a fact. No, I did I've not know that, that before. I've heard that. Excellent. <laughs> Your favorite person to share a bottle of rum with, but you can't say Richard. I was about to say Richard. Uh, <laughs> if it's not Richard Seal, it'd have to be Gail Seal because Richard will be sitting next to him. Next to oh, that's Ooh, a good one. Good nice, one. Nice. All right. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, you you made a hit record under the pseudonym The Dude in the 2000s. Can we expect expect another release from The Dude anytime soon? Only if I get really drunk and I'll be filming another video down in Miami like we did back in 2002. <laughs> Let me know. We'll be there. I could be in the background. I got a background. I'll be the hype man. (laughs) (laughs) Michael Jordan had the fadeaway. Allen Iverson had the crossover. Steph Curry has the pull-up three. During your professional basketball days, what was your unguardable skill that struck fear into the hearts of your opponents? Oh, it was uh, give me that quick step to my right. Nice. The quick step. If I could take two steps to the right, if I took two two steps, no, I'm dunking on you. (laughs) Oh, dunking. You can dunk. Oh, yeah, it was, it was fearless, fearless. Uh, well, that is time. Uh, all right. Have you, when, when was the last time you dunked? Oh, that, that was a better question. Oh, um, <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> this is the bonus round. <laughs> well, while you're, what while you're thinking, I can tell you the last time what I it, dunked was it, never. It's going to be about 10 years ago, probably. <laughs> wow. I haven't stretched enough for it. Mean, and that was out <laughs> Outdoor courts, uh, those, those, that concrete is not as forgiven as like a nice soft wooden floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you've given us a slam dunk for rum. Oh, so wow. there's that. Wow. You see the dad joke, Will? Yeah, I couldn't I love pass it. it up there. I, I just it. couldn't pass it <laughs> yeah. up. Um, no, seriously, thank you, Ian, for taking the time to hang out with us. Um, before we go, anything else? I know you kind of hinted a little bit on the, the Equiano front. Yeah. You said you said this is the first blend. So yes. is there anything else to, yeah. to let people know about before yeah. before we call it a day? Well, so later on this year, we will be launching our second SKU. And that would was supposed to be, uh, it, it still is, supposed to be more for the on-premise. Um, okay. it's, a, it's a rum made for bartenders mm-hmm. and that want to use a really good blend, a good light rum for some lighter styles of, uh, of rum cocktails. So it's a blend of uh, three-year-old four-square rums with some fresh sugar cane oh. juice from Mauritius. Um, oh, so wow. molasses and agricole. Oh. Um, it's got a little bit of earthiness with the agricole oh. and of course that roundness of the hints of vanilla and, yeah. and, and natural sweetness, but a lot drier than original uh, Equiano because it is a lighter rum. Color wise, imagine a reposado uh, for tequila. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. straw, straw uh, looking color. Almost kind of like a, yeah. like the Probitas Veritas kind of color. Correct. Oh yeah, I should have said that. Yeah, yeah I don't know why. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. same color, <laughs> same color as Probitas and Veritas. Um, the the difference is, of course, Probitas Veritas is forty seven, and we're forty three. Mm-hmm. Stuck at the forty three uh, again, just for um, to to be a, a little bit more versatile uh, for mm-hmm. the the up and coming uh, bartender for the. The, the so-called mixologist or even the home bartender as well yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact that we again using a blend of rums from africa and the caribbean is part of our equiano dna um so yeah. yeah so that'll be the new one coming out this year um and then later on towards the end of the year we'll be doing our first uh vintage or cast strength which me and richard are trying to work out what we're going to do either vintage or cast strength but we've got some great vintages from mauritius that are on the way to barbados that he'll mix with some vintage Wow. Um, or square and we do a limited edition uh oh, uh, oh now uh, you're talking my language here um so actually i like in, both of them but yeah uh, brilliant so we're going to be in lots of limited edition uh rums that i would love to see some of the other brands do but now i have the opportunity to do this with equiano uh, and yeah. it has given us like full cart on can't can't launch to actually use some of these products that's um, really cool. like this so yeah. so yeah so that's can't wait that's what we got planned yeah we will be keeping an eager eye towards all of that um but yeah thank you so much again for taking the time to join us thanks Ian. Um, it's it's always a pleasure to to get to be 
edutained uh, by by the master of it. So uh, we appreciate it and uh, hope you had a good time. No, I had a great time, man. It's great, great seeing you guys. And I wish I was there having a drink with you. Uh, but we'll have to eventually. Save. We'll get there. We're gonna make that happen we'll someday. That's right. Yeah, well, I'll save that to um, when I'm down in in Florida, since that's the only state that's open. Yeah, <laughs> and that's and that's gonna be our our. I wouldn't say a test market, but that's where we're gonna be focusing a lot of our energy with Equiano in Florida. So we oh, cool. we we have the importers, distributors, and we're working with um, uh, a couple of companies there. We have a brand ambassador. Uh, yeah, down there as well. So, oh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So we're going to be doing a lot of work in Florida. Oh, well, you so, got the Florida uh, Rum Society, yeah. and you know, uh, you, you, say John's you know, the Florida guy to talk to down there. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely going to be Jay doing a lot of work and uh, and and Ian are good buddies, and we yes. are looking forward to doing whatever we can to uh, get that Equiano out there. We oh, we great. really appreciate and enjoy it. Yep. Excellent, excellent. Yep. Looking forward to, it. And, and of course, I'll be up in Tennessee as well. Oh, uh, wait, when are you coming here? Uh, I'm going to be doing um, seeing my friends uh, from Uncle Nearest. Oh, um, awesome! Yeah, the, I yeah. I've been wanting to take a visit out to Uncle Nearest, um, yeah. uh, but you know, with COVID and everything, yeah, I just that. haven't had the yeah. chance. Uh, yeah. But amazing, sto- another another brand with an amazing story, yeah. Um, yeah. just like and, you were talking uh, about. Yeah, um, that's really cool. What they're doing because they're putting in, they're, they're building the distillery, getting the stills in there. So yeah, uh, looking forward to when they start bringing out some juice uh, as well to see. But I mean, the liquid they have at the moment, I think it's, I think it might be come from Dickles. Is it Dickles? I think, I think uh, that's I mean, right. Probably, I think yeah, so. Probably, again, when you got Nicole Austin, possible doing that down there. And she's one of the best when it comes to making whiskeys. So um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to going out there because in the future, well, in the future, there will be some exciting news, exciting announcements to, to make uh, connected Tennessee and, uh, and uncle nearest and, and Equiano. <laughs> Uh, oh as well. wow! So, yeah, yeah. That, so, okay, uh, you, as as a Tennessean, I get rum related news uh, very rarely of that's happening here. So that's very exciting to me. I will yeah, be watching uh, out for that. As soon, for sure. as soon as everything's confirmed, you'll be one of the first to know. Excellent! I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Great, Ian. Well, thank you again, and yes. um, thank you. thanks again for yeah. your time. Thanks yeah. Again for your time. yeah. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Rumcast with Ian Burrell. I definitely encourage you to go to the Equiano website. It's a beautiful website. I don't know if you noticed that, John, but if you go to the Equiano website, it's very nice. Check out what's coming from them. Get that latest release. Look Mm -hmm. forward to those additional releases coming that ian hinted at i'm excited about those yeah and also uh we'll put the show notes the iss awards uh we make sure we put that in the show notes and and get that information for you really really great stuff and and some interesting stuff there in terms of what meddled and and uh, yeah check out the full results for sure it was it was a really cool thing to read over uh and uh to hear from ian on it and how that was done so now you get to see now that you have the insight you can see how that worked out and right you've heard the process now you can see the results it's definitely definitely cool and uh, speaking of good websites their website is very nice too it's very easy to kind of like see who won what the ratings and everything the philosophy behind their scoring system i Mm -hmm. found very helpful in terms of being able to interpret the ratings and things like that so definitely check it out and you know while you're doing that you can also head on over to apple Podcasts, find the rumcast on there (laughs) leave us a review we always love those it helps more people find the podcast as well which is good as always, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions, feel free to hit us up on social media or email us, host at rumcast.com. 
host at rumcast.com where are we on social media john you're the you're the the social media maven of our little like rum that. empire over here where are we the social guru we're on facebook <laughs> and instagram so uh we we do post on twitter but we really don't interact on twitter so yeah facebook it's rumcast on facebook or you can find us on instagram we do a lot on there and we like to do a little bit through there of interactivity we're, we're starting to push a little bit more interactivity through some of our posts so uh if you want to tell us uh who you think should be in the rum vengers we've been doing that post definitely uh hit us up let us know your thoughts let us know who you want us to keep talking to we love hearing the feedback it keeps us going so please please reach out to us there all right with that said we'll talk to you next time Thank you.